Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Character Unlock, the Mass Effect special. I'll be hosting for the first time, my name is John Miller, and I'm being joined over Quantum Entanglement by Assassin's Creed episodes Brian Plank. Good afternoon. And for the first time ever, Lee Loveridge. Hello. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm doing well. Also. Good. Doing well. (laughs) Have you played much of Andromeda yet? Yes. Yes, I have, and yesterday... I took down an architect with a biotic charge to the face. So nice. I'm pretty good about myself. <laughs> I like throwing things. <laughs> I yeah, I've realised that playing as the biotic's definitely the best way to go. It's so much more fun. I think I've discovered a new favourite combo, which is to use a combination of lift and then lance. Works quite well. I'm just maxing charge and shockwave for now, <laughs> and then I'll do other stuff. <laughs> I'm just playing like I played in Mass Effect too. It's a good way to, play. way to play. <laughs> I'm going with pull and throw. Mainly because of the super advanced aliens liking to leave really explosive barrels of electricity and fire everywhere that like to be thrown at people. It's as good a reason as any, I guess. How about the multiplayer? You played much of that, Brian? No, I think you need PlayStation Plus or something for that. Uh, Yeah, probably. It keeps saying you're not online. I go, oh well. That means you must have a bit of an issue with doing some of the Apex missions and the strike stuff. I can't do Apex missions. Wow. It says, get online. Even if you want to send a strike team onto onto the Apex missions? Yeah, it says, come back when you're online. Wow. That's poor, because there's a a fair amount. I mean, is there a use for the mission rewards apart from the online features? I don't think so. I I guess you're kind of, by not being able to send strike teams, you're... I guess you're missing out on some stuff. You can get gear. Rewards. You get gear. Like, I think I've picked up a uh, a level 5 Carnifex hand cannon, which is my most powerful gun at the moment. But Yeah, I mean, I've got a few. I mean, I, to be fair, I've only got hand cannons as well from the strike missions, but then I'm still doing bronzes. I've not... I don't have quite as much time as you to play. I get roughly no. two hours a night at the minute. Two, three hours. Well... I had a couple of days off, so I'll be back to playing maybe two hours a night from now on. So having those couple of days off means I've got quite far into the game. So, Which is why we're not actually going to be talking about Andromeda much apart from these few things. Instead, what we're going to do is talk almost exclusively on Mass Effects 1, 2, and 3 with a ridiculous number of spoilers. But that's after the news. So... We've recently been told from Bungie, they teased themselves in Destiny 2 via Twitter, and then later on released a video of Cade 6. Now, if you haven't seen the video, I'd actually suggest watching it, although it's a bit shit. 
What? It's amazing. <laughs> Nathan Fillion, you are a god. I knew that'd get a reaction out of you. So, Destiny 2, excited, everyone? Yes. Nope. <laughs> Mixed reviews, I guess. Uh, I am i wouldn't say I'm very excited, but uh, I did lose a lot of time playing Destiny 1 when it first came out. Yeah, so. I think due to the fact that I can't spend much time playing anymore, I'm hoping that their promises of a less grindy game pans out so that I don't quite have to put in so many hours to feel unrewarded still. <laughs> Well, I guess they kind of changed that later on in Destiny 1 when they made it so that when you did the, uh, what was it, when you combined the gear because you wanted to have a different one. Shit, I can't even remember what that was called. Is it transmogrification? Something like that. I didn't even, it's been I, a while I, think I, I wasn't even playing when they did that, I don't think, I think I'm done by that Yeah, point. when they, they, they made it so that you could dismantle gear and then put the, and it would, insta- it used to sort of half the distance between the better one to the one you were wanting to use because it was had decent stats. It used to half the distance in terms of light, now it goes all the way to what is the better one. So you've got that advantage now. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's going to be less of a grind for Destiny 2. But if I'm honest, I think Destiny 2 is a bit too little too late. I mean, I guess it's nice to have a new story rather than a three-hour-long DLC campaign supposed to last the whole year. They're going to have a hard job getting a good sale on the game after the first game. Because everyone bought the first game. You know, it was practically a launch title and looked amazing from the videos. And then when it came out, it disappointed so many people uh, that I think that they're going to really struggle to, to get good numbers on the sale of the second game. And they've already gone uh, and done the whole PlayStation exclusive thing again, which burnt a hell of a lot of Xbox fans out last time. Well, it wasn't just the Xbox players that it affected. It was it also affected the PlayStation players. I mean, they got the stuff, but it, they couldn't have the good versions of that stuff because Bungie decided that while they had the ability to release the uh, those extra strikes, but they didn't put them on Nightfall challenges, which meant that you didn't get oh, yeah, the right. fun version of it. And then you didn't get the rewards of those exclusive exotic weapons either. So in reality, all they did was burn the Xbox players for not having the stuff, and then burn the PlayStation players for not being able to have good versions of the stuff. Yeah. But, you know, they've just announced that they're doing the whole rewarding thing now for Destiny 1 if you want to crack back in for this uh, Age of Triumph, I think it is. And that kind of makes me want to go back and give it a little bit of a bash just to see if it's better in the drop rate because I never got that sniper rifle from the Crater Raid I can't remember what it is uh, Black no wait not Black Spindle that was the secret one wasn't it no it was uh, the other one yeah. whatever it was called yeah, yeah. I never got that it was a good sniper rifle I tried so rifle. many times to get that sniper rifle and I just never got it hated that game <laughs> forcing me to keep playing the same mission over and over again for something that I would have never used anyway <laughs> Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it, it had you hooked. Mm. That was a. Uh, it was definitely they, it was they, the friend thing. It was the friend thing for me. It was a good. It was a good game to play with, you know, with six of your friends. Whereas there's not many other uh, games that give you that opportunity, and it was such a well-paced and. Crisp I just think shooter. outside of Destiny and possible and well, the Andromeda multiplayer. I don't think I've actually played any games with you. Maybe Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, back in the day. Did we play that? I don't think I knew. No, we might have done. That, maybe. Well, we've been friends since Xbox 360, surely. Uh, yeah, 
Well, imaginary friends, anyway. Definitely imaginary internet friends. <laughs> uh, next bit of news we've got is the remaster for StarCraft being released in the summer. So, now, I'm just old enough to have played StarCraft back when it first came out, and I lost a lot of my what should have been spent time doing studying in school uh, playing StarCraft and not actually studying. You guys play any of StarCraft at all? No, LTS games I, in general? I'm afraid not. Well, when I was a kid, it was Warcraft 2 and the first Command and Conquer. And I played those, but I never got into StarCraft for not sure of what reason. And then I went on to Warcraft 3, and then they did World of Warcraft and went, nope, that's a time sink. I can recognise that, and I'm not doing that to myself. <laughs> uh, was StarCraft PC? StarCraft was PC. Okay, yep. so I didn't play it because... The only PC I had when I was young was a hand-me-down from my dad that had Windows 3.1. So there, were, so there wasn't much opportunity to play games on it other than <laughs> Pong. <laughs> and they struggled to play that. Okay, so just just me who's almost excited for a bit well, of StarCraft. I, I like the story of StarCraft. Like I watched cinematics and the, the whole idea about the, the Queen of Blades is a quite cool way of telling it. But... I'm not that interested to want to play it. All right then. Not like games, Brian. <laughs> so apart from Assassin's Creed, which you do entirely for there being a history buff and Mass Effect, you're you don't do anything. <laughs> no, I do. Just not games we talk about. Just not like, many, the there's not year, many I've, people that play Starcraft. Well, I've it? I've been gobbling through the PlayStation. Uh, digital exclusive store. So a thing like Oxenfree, which is fantastic. It's short, it's scary. It's Scooby-Doo. It's the scariest episode of Scooby-Doo ever. Um, Gone Home, which everyone knows is really good. Transistor, which I was told had a sad ending. And I got to the ending and thought, that's not sad. Then I got to the end of the ending and went, oh my god. <laughs> and I've downloaded um, Valley to play, but I didn't get around to it because I was doing a bit of Dragon Age Inquisition to get ready for Andromeda. Because I figured Andromeda would just be Inquisition but with big guns. Yeah, I get that. So that's what I've been up to. You should really consider checking out EGX Res. That's definitely up your alley, I think, because that's all of the little indie-developed games and stuff. Oh, but some some of them look utter toot. Yes. Yeah, I I agree with that, but there there are some relatively decent ones out there that come through that that stuff. If it's short and it's got a story, then I'll be up for it. I'm guessing you have tried the Telltale games because they're short and have story. No, they just the look of them annoys me. It's also they're all properties. I don't want to play a Batman game. I don't care about The Walking Dead. I don't care about Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but there's the Guardians of the Galaxy one, which ah, that's actually. Premiering soon, I think. I think it's only a couple of weeks away. Uh, a Wolf Among Us, which is based on the Fables stories, mm-hmm. and right. Tales from the Borderlands, which is based on, loosely based on Borderlands. There's only a couple of the retu- recur- returning characters, but overall, it's a. I actually think that and Wolf Among Us are probably my favourite two stories in games. I'd say. Did, did you ever play Life is Strange? I really love. Uh, I've game. got it. I I oh. haven't played it yet. That was brilliant. It's- yeah, it it's was really the good. only time I've screamed at the TV when I'm playing a game. It's the end of episode two. Mm. Everyone at home who knows what that yeah, is. Yeah, me too. Um, oh, 
Scary Panic. If we're on indies, other people may. My favourite indies is Supergiant games at the minute. They made a couple of uh, oh. my favourite Bastion uh, and Transistor. And I've not played Bastion. Bastion is amazing, and also All Transistor right. is also amazing. Yeah, Bastion's excellent. Um, played that on three different consoles now. I think. I listened to Transistor long before I played it because the soundtrack yeah. is yeah, brilliant. Really good. Slinky and sexy and futuristic, and there's a great atmosphere yeah. in Transistor. They've got a new game coming out soon, I think. Oh. This year, even. What's that? I uh, can't remember the name of it. It looks really odd. But I know that Supergiant are doing one because I get the odd email update and everything. Like I typed in Supergiant 2017 to Google, and I've just got um, Indian Premier League cricket. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Well, it could be. <laughs> Pyre, it's loves, called. Yeah, that's it's it, Pyre. A cricket. <clears throat> yeah, released in 2017. Yeah, that's the one. And it's PS4 and Windows, which surprised me why they would, would go with Windows and not get it on the Xbox at the same time. It's odd, but... Yeah, it looks a lot different. Oh, have, you played, it, have you played Monument Valley? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's a very fun, <laughs> breezy sort of puzzle game. Noted. It's also quite affecting. You you become emotionally attached to four cubes. Okay. I'm sold. Cubes of what, though? No, cubes. Okay. Well, I'll put it on the list. Is it an exclusive? Or? Oh, no, I got it on Android. Oh, fair enough. Play it on the phone, then. Anyway, the final bit of news that I have uh, is that the Mass Effect Andromeda sales are down on Mass Effect 3 sales. Which I'm guessing isn't a surprise considering the way that the reviews came for this game. You know, they were almost entirely negative, which I just don't see as fair. Considering all of the reviews that mentioned being negative were because of poor facial animation and not because of the actual game itself. Yeah, tough, mm. tough call. It's hard to look away from something like that when there's games that, that have been out 20 years. Well, not 20 years, 5, 10 years that have done facial animations better did I link yeah. you up to that absolute fucking weirdo on Twitter I possibly the one who said that the, they're not going to play Andromeda because it's got ugly chicks in it <laughs> good one wow. nice yes, no, I definitely remember <laughs> that he's, he's a, the same person who boycotted Inquisition because A. Cassandra Pendergast is not attractive which is a lie. Which is fucking yeah, definitely. And because it doesn't have a brothel in it, and it's more liberals censoring games. We should have brothels and sexy stuff in games, and the girls should take the tops off as a reward. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with him on that one. <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> What's the game without a strip club? <laughs> is there a strip club in Mass Effect? I'm not seeing it yet. Uh, well, I ha- uh, he went wild up. because apparently there's a bar on the Nexus and a. I've not checked out, but he says, oh, yeah, there's like Asari dancers in cages. Woohoo! What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, the bar that I found on the Nexus doesn't have Asari dancers in it at all, I no, don't think. He reckons that there's one somewhere. There is a bar, but it's got no one on stage. It's got like, it's more like a platform stage, isn't it, I think? Is that the Nexus? No, if you go in there enough times, uh, there is the people do go onto the stage for an open mic night. Yeah, that's the one. I'm oh, thinking. quality! Yeah, they're awful. A, a Turian reads poetry. Yeah. That's nice. Nice idea. I, fun. Deaths, definitely fun. 
because I popped in and they said, can you find us some ingredients for drinks? I thought, good, another thing to hunt for on my bloated mini-map. Let's do that. Yeah, it's worse than that. Uh, you have to, There is stuff on some of the other planets that you go to. I found at least two others since doing that first mission. Just, just so you're aware that you can find them. They do just sort of show up on the map. Not that you get a mini-map, which is really fucking infuriating. Oh, yes. But, I go way off that's, track. <laughs> that's more for later stuff when we actually get on to talking about Andromeda properly. Well, I totally understand the reviews, I guess, in a way. I mean, it's, it's a bit harsh to focus solely on the facial animations, but when you prevent, you know, you're presented with a video that makes them look amazing and Sarah Ryder waking up and she looks outstanding and then you play the game and she pulls her face like she's just eaten two lemons in one go. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to look away from that, especially when the game's so focused on that interaction with characters and you talking to other people. It's kind of hard, I guess. So I get it, I get it, I get it. But the gameplay is smooth and, and the fighting is... Although the pace is picked up a lot because they've taken out the the whole stopping and planning your moves and, you know, guiding your squad mates uh, using their powers to speed up the sort of gameplay that has worked. So I'm quite chuffed about. Didn't like it at first. So, in... What was it? In 2007, the greatest franchise in video gaming history was brought out in for the first instalment, which was Mass Effect 1. Now, when this game was released, I'll be honest, I didn't finish it straight away. I my The disc that I bought had a scratch on it, and I got right to the end. I mean, literally right to the Citadel, and it wouldn't load any further. Oh my it wasn't, goodness. Yeah. Right to the Citadel, right to the final mission, and it wouldn't go any further. It wasn't until Xbox announced and the installation onto the hard disk when I actually managed to finish it for the first time. It's, that's how long it was between launch and me being able to finish the game. When did they announce that? That was about two, uh, a year later, almost. I, I but, don't even honestly remember. I don't when I got the game or anything. I just. I don't remember ever thinking, getting excited for it and trying to play it or anything like that. I just remember at one point I was playing the game. It wasn't even a blip on my radar. Someone probably lent it to me or I just ended up playing it and absolutely fell in love with it. But that's probably what made the game so good was that it was an under-the-radar thing. It didn't have a big publisher tied to it at the time. It was a Microsoft Studios launch by Bioware. So pre-EA, pre-huge scale um, you know, marketing for it, it was a game just using Unreal Tech. I mean, what a game it was in the end. <laughs> Agreed. I miss it. <laughs> right. There's a lot so about into, it. I, I came to Mass Effect late. Like, when 3 had come out, I came... Like, all the first I heard about it was that the ending was terrible for games that my pals were playing, and I didn't pay attention to it. And then when I got my PS4 and it came with Destiny, I thought, oh, a third-person shooter, that's quite good fun. But I'm not a person. I'm just some dude in a helmet that has no face. I don't want to play Destiny. Um, and I did The Order, which is another cover-based shooter, and thought, this is quite good fun. It's got a story. You can get Mass Effect for PS3. So having bought a PlayStation 4 for however much money, I then <laughs> spent the next six months playing the PS3. <laughs> Clever idea. But that's why I came into it. Did you download it digitally, or did you buy the um, trilogy? I, 
I bought two and three because they were about £8 the pair in-game, and I downloaded the first one. So I played okay. two first, then three, then one, then two, then three. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, it was easier to... Uh, getting hold of Mass Effect 1 on disc was notoriously difficult. Andrew uh, has a great story. He was he actually put a pre-order on for it from one of the retailers online, I think, and they were only charging, I think, about £40 for it. And then one day he just got an email saying it was on the way. And this is back when it was so out of stock everywhere. If you went onto eBay to try and buy a copy, it was going to cost you in excess of £100. So he actually got a bit annoyed that he didn't buy two because, well, you buy two and you're making still, you know, ridiculous amount of profit. You're making money back from just one of them. <laughs> yeah, because it's just, it was unreal how few copies of the trilogy were actually put out for PlayStation. I mean, you can still, you probably still buy the Xbox one, but I think there was only a couple of thousand units sold or made for the PlayStation version, which was just ridiculous, but I guess they didn't see the market for it. Anyway, before we get some more property, yeah, well, it was it was a third party company that did the port to the PlayStation version. So, so our overall theme is going to be who is Commander Shepard, which every person has their own individual Shepard. It doesn't matter how you play it; there are certain decisions that stick with you for each one. You can play Paragon, you can play Renegade, but you'll still always make one or two decisions exactly the same, regardless of the way you're playing because you prefer the outcome. Whether that be throwing someone out of a window, setting someone on fire, or I can't think of anything nice to do. Uh, maybe convincing uh, an Asari that there is in fact a Krogan who is in fact is the love of her life. Oh. Yeah. I think I said no. They're not good for each other. <laughs> well, uh, there's uh, an interesting further development into Mass Effect 3 if you actually convince them to, to, to stay together, but... Oh. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> you're gonna have, you're gonna have, you're gonna pl- play, you're gonna play through all of the games again just so you can get that that little bit of extra story that you have that you can just just find by accident. Oh, I think I, I think I had that. It rings. It definitely rings a bell. So, Brian, who was your commander, Shepard? Describe describe Shepard to me and to the world. I went for Jane Sybil Shepherd. Uh, nice. Default default style, um, bright red hair. Or basically box art Shepherd. <laughs> uh, partly because games with stubbly dudes running around shooting things are boring, and I wanted to do something different. And having a woman kicking out with massive guns is different enough. Also, Jennifer Hale. Um, Jennifer Hale is a voice actress who's done loads of stuff. She was in the X-Men Legends games on PS2. She is Rosalind Lutess, and Jennifer Hale's very good. Uh, I sent Brooke her the bit where she played Daphne's sister in a Scooby-Doo, and she did it with the Shepherd voice, which is the strangest thing you'll ever hear. <laughs> so, yeah, Jane Shepherd, Paragon, I decided pretty early on that if I was op- offered a drink, I'd take three of them, just to see what would happen. <laughs> I wasn't too interested in romance, because I know loads of folks say, Mass Effect, great, who can I fuck? <laughs> um, also, you couldn't go out with Miranda and say, well, what's the point then? I played a Vanguard, because 
I'm not good at shooting, but I am good at uh, melee. So just charge in and then start hitting. Or if we've got combat scenes, then I'll start the fight at the outside with or undercover with an assault rifle. Switch up to a shotgun, charge in, and just go uh, slotting people. And one of my big things, like my rules for Shepard, is it has to be a model of positive mental health. If someone says, are you all right, Shepard? And if I've just seen something bad happen, say, actually, no, I'm not okay. I need a bit of help and support from my friends. None of this uh, bravado. Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. I'm a, I'm a superhero. So I wanted, and I use Shepard as some of the rules that I use for living. Like if asking for help and looking for advice and putting things into context is much better. For all the games, especially for three, my big rule is there is no point in saving the world. There's no there's no point in saving the universe if you don't make the universe worth saving. Every single life in the universe that you see, their quality of life is important. You can't uh, doom all the little people or just cast them aside in your, in your, your big mission. Because your mission isn't stopping the reapers, your mission is preserving your way of life. And if that means uh, getting banners for people, if that means finding out about someone's dead son, if that means anything that makes someone's day a little bit better, that is what your mission is. And that's how I'm playing all of Mass Effect, including Andromeda. The Pathfinder is on a mission to not just build a, a world, but to build a home and a community of people. So that's my shepherd. That's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lee, please tell me that you've got something completely different. Yeah. So just for a bit of parity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alright, what have we got? Okay. <laughs> Who is Shepard? Okay, so my first Shepard was a woman, uh, mainly for a similar reason. I don't like seeing stubbly guys. I'm a stubbly guy, so, you know, I don't want to see that in a game as well. I look at myself in the mirror and I hate it. So, I, you know, get it right in the game. Uh, except she didn't have hair. I don't like the hair <laughs> in games generally. I find it to be blocky, especially in the old games. So she was a skinhead. Uh, basically my uh, Ripley of the Mass Effect universe. Um, back when I started playing this sometime between sort of 2007 and 2010 probably I uh, I was an achievement whore for lack of a better word so I smashed through it on Paragon she was a saint to everybody I did everything and everybody as well at the same time and then uh, that was that so then I played as the bloke and he was a bad guy a really really bad guy who would kick everyone off cliffs and set fire to everyone, as you so rightly put it. Um, but there's a few things that really stuck with me, and the first one was meeting a young, blue, octopus-headed woman in a mine, and uh, we formed a very strong bond in every gameplay <laughs> throughout. Um, I'm kind of gutted that Liara's not going to be back for Andromeda, which is a shame. Um, I've even got a picture. Did you hear? Did you hear her in Andromeda? Yeah, She's in one yeah. of Ryder's. Me- yeah, oh, made me... she 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 did her lines in about four minutes. Yeah, that made me. Yep. Uh, I enjoyed that. My pants got slightly tighter. Um, but <laughs> there's I, a, I was, I was a couple of her. audio logs in that room as well. So with yeah, yeah. after you get that got message, so you've, you've, there's a couple of extra lines in there. But you know, I've got a picture of her on my wall as well. That's 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 the love that I feel. Shepherd can suck it. Uh, for me, 
Uh, I'm going to go the opposite of you guys, and I actually did pick Male Shepherd. Just because in Mass Effect 1, Male Shepherd actually has that a face, as opposed to generic-looking woman that you can make, that especially in the game as from 2007, but the face, the face design, um, designer, whatever the whatever the real term is, was awful. Even if you tried to build your own male shepherd, trying to to make a face was just terrible. And the comment I heard was that all created shepherd male shepherds look like a sack of potatoes in a train crash. Yeah, I can see that. Is not <laughs> yeah. far off. Yeah. I'm glad you went with that and not something incredibly offensive that needs editing out. But the female shepherds also suffer from the same issue just because you didn't have a default female face. You just had the whatever you designed, the sack of potatoes in a train crash to look like but with longer hair. But uh, apart from the, uh, the, the difficulty in making a decent looking shepherd in terms of actual designing the face, um, I'm going to be... I'm going to probably kill off all of our listeners by saying I don't actually like Jennifer Hale. That's okay. I'm I'm not a big fan of her voice work. I don't think I've actually had her play a role where I've actually thought, oh yeah, this is improved by being Jennifer Hale. Fuck, I'm sorry, I forgot where I first heard her. She did Basil Ashan in the first Night's Old Republic. Yep. Which is the first uh, Bioware game I played. Which was also awesome. The most fun. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic 1 was fantastic. 2 suffered mainly because it was canned mid-development. Or rather, right at the end of development. Yeah, they didn't have an ending. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Who knows, we might get a a new Knights of the Old Republic game in the future, with uh, Disney now at the helm and pushing out Star Wars games again. Sorry, I interrupted. My my dislike of Jennifer Hale's voice is because of her renegade side, which just makes her sound catty rather than actual any kind of aggression at all. She just sounds like a, a just a giant space bitch rather than you know, well a renegade maverick with uh, no ties to the law whatsoever, just running around shooting people and asking questions later. So that's why I mainly run with male shepherd. Main again because I play renegade a lot. It's, I'd say it's the more fun option, but since playing the Paragon side uh, for my most recent run through, which I still haven't finished of the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, I'm most of my way through Mass Effect 3. But the DLC for is just extending that amount of time by a considerable amount. It's, it was big. I, I didn't play Mass Effect DLC I, for 3 for quite some time. I mean, two probably two years it was released it, it took me to go back and play it again if not longer actually now that all the DLC's out and well one Andromeda's out I tell you what it, it was a good time to play the Mass Effect trilogy again before Andromeda came out because there's certain gameplay aspects that I'm definitely going to miss just going back to Mass Effect 1 from playing 3 and 2 there's certain bits of the gameplay that are missing from those when you go back to playing 1 that you really miss like the ability to roll and the and decent cover mechanics. Whereas in Mass Effect 1, you're pretty much limited to, oh, here's a rock to stand near, and you're being shot at from all angles by Geth. Yeah, but no ammo. No reloading, ever. That was my favourite bit about them. No, I suppose. But you 
if you played like I did and you kept changing the stuff inside your guns, occasionally you'd overheat all of your weapons all at once. No, see, I'm not a terrible game player. Shut I up. found the combat in one really difficult. Partly because on PlayStation, the shooting buttons are the top buttons L1, R1, and not L2, R2. No. R1 and R2. It's, it's the other way around. I was like, what? Why? Why? Tonight. So I spent a long time getting confused with that, and Andromeda do it the same way, and I, f- I find that difficult. Uh, R1, L1, rather than 2 and Yeah, two. because on Andromeda, yes. I, I get set up, ready to zoom in and shoot someone, but no, you've just got to take charge into the middle of them. <laughs> can you not switch the buttons around on that? Because it doesn't... Like, no, the PlayStation 4 like control, is, it's got actual t- sensitive triggers. Why would they put it on the R1, on, on the bumpers, yeah, essentially? The main reason they did it on the PlayStation 3 is because the L2 and R2 were fucking Garbage, awful. Yeah. Awful, awful. This was the worst, and that's why they added it, because you actually got responsive buttons instead of triggers that you would just let go of, because they were shaped awfully, and just it didn't make sense. Yeah, I found that one was a fun place to explore, but not a fun game to play. I put the difficulty way, way down, and just blitzed through it. They wanted to see how the story unfolded. That was probably the the, the the only game I was really, really proud of getting a thousand G on back in the day. Yeah, I think it, I don't think it was my first, but I think it's the one where I it was the, probably the first game that I actually just went back and did it because I enjoyed the game and not just because I wanted the thousand points. Sad looking I think back, I'm really, one playthrough left to get 1,000 G, or rather the the full 100%, because I've also got the DLC stuff. Mm. And it's, I just need to play through an insanity, because I don't think I've, I'd actually... It was hard. Unlo- I've, yeah, it was too fucking difficult to do, and, well... I didn't do it on 3, so, I did it on 2 as well. Two, I aced 2, I, I never bothered with 3. Three's is surprisingly easy to do on insanity, I'm currently, that's my current playthrough at the moment. But, going back to 1, so... You've been. You get the choice of which planets you go to first. Have you ever done Therum last? Going, going to get Liara. Not after the first time I played the game. I can't remember the first, but I know that every time I played it after that, it was the first one I went to. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. What are the other choices? Going is in... it, is, there's Neveria, isn't there, and Pharos. Yeah, it's Neveria, Pharos, and then once you've done two of the planets, you unlock. Uh, Vermeer. That's right. Which but is where the, do... yeah, where the base is, isn't it? On Vermeer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you if you do those three planets first and then go back to doing Therum to pick up Liara, did you get those hilarious bits of dialogue because she's gone fucking insane by being you know on her own, trapped in a stasis field for God knows how long while you've been doing you know running around screwing Ashley uh, or Caden, whichever your choice is. I don't think so. But if you if you do actually do it in that order, uh, you essentially take a shit on her entire life's work because you tell her <laughs> seriously. You you lit. She spent her entire life's work trying to work out the Protheans, and you just flatly just say, "Well, I've discovered all of this to prove that the Reapers came along and killed all of the Protheans." She is not happy about that. Um, I I imagine she wouldn't. Uh, to be fair, if I did a bit of work at work. I know that's a tall order, I guess, but you know, even if it took me half an hour, I'd be angry at <laughs> somebody for losing it. <laughs> so you know, an entire life's work disproven in in what 
four hours by the time you get there. <laughs> Done. Sorry, yep. love. Pack your bags. And we're going. Sorry, so, love. You're completely useless to us right now. Sorry. Oh, what? Oh, no, you can do Singularity. Great, you're in. Sold. Have a pistol. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, okay. Now, you are on Vermeer. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you're presented with the opportunity of essentially choosing whether Rex lives or dies? That that seems so strange because it was a conflict that was forced for no good reason. Yeah. So I just said, guys, just step back, chill out, and we didn't kill Rex. Yep. It seemed such a strange thing that that would even be an option. It is completely left field uh, in terms... I mean, considering... You've spent the entire game chasing down Saren. He discovers that Saren's trying to cure the genophage, and it just sort of, out of nowhere, he's just thinking that the lines are a bit blurred, when in reality, he's not trying to cure the genophage, he's just trying to build himself a Krogan army. And at one point, uh, before that, Rex even says that he's killing Krogan because either A, they're just they're, they're stupid, or B, they're uh, trying to kill you. And in general... Rex is very happy with the fact that he's killing Grogan. But, yeah, it's... I don't understand how anyone could have let Rex die. I... Even playing... Even specifically going for... You actually have to choose to kill him. That's what I don't understand how people have... Have actually let him die. It's it's not difficult to not have him die. I never let him die. He was too good a character. Plus, they described the army as unstoppable and when they said that bearing in mind that you've not really got gotten to know Rex that well up to that point had just sort of been in the team with the odd conversation in the lift <laughs> that made me think well you know if Krogan are unstoppable why would I kill this guy look at him he's amazing he's a giant lizard in a spacesuit. <laughs> yeah and now for the second impossible task on Vermeer Ashley or Caden? No question. I killed Caden on the grounds that I I knew a bit... When I got to one, I'd already played a bit of two and three, so I knew that... And from speaking to her, I knew that Ashley was a space racist. <laughs> I want to at least see how her character develops, whereas Caden doesn't have much of a character. So purely on the grounds of she'll at least be interesting. Maybe not pleasant, but at least interesting. And talking to her... Was it interesting? Oh, my, all my family are in the military. I've got sisters who you need to look out for. That was fine. But I didn't care about Kaden. Yeah? I, uh, Lee. Ashley, every time she died, I hated her. I couldn't stand her. I found her quite boring. I mean, she was just a soldier. And there's plenty of them. And we see stories about soldiers all the time. Caden looked like this damaged little cretin who needed somebody to put their arm around him and give him a big cuddle. And I was going to be that guy or girl, you know, depends on which which one I was playing. But I felt like he needed the help. Plus, you know, he was voiced by the same geezer that voiced, uh, uh, is it Karth, Karth Anasi or something in Star Wars? Oh. And he was voiced by the same guy. And I'd not long played Not Steel Republic 2, which is, or is it one? I don't know, one or the other. And then he was in that and I was like, oh, it's the same voice. Oh, I'll save him then. And then I just ended up saving him every time because I just never clicked with Ashley. I didn't, I didn't get it. And, and I didn't click with Ashley until quite recently when I read um, 
when I read one of the comics where it, it tells you the story of what happens to Ashley just before you meet up with her on uh, Eden Prime at the start. And it tells you what happened to her up until that point. And that made her a little bit more agreeable. I guess I could go back. But she's still a huge space racist. <laughs> you know, most of my family are racist. I listen to that crap all the time. So I don't need it in a game as well. But I'm with Lee on this one because I killed Ashley a lot but I've also killed Caden a lot I mean I've played a lot I've got a lot of playthroughs but Ashley's character is she is a space racist who later becomes essentially an alcoholic space racist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey wants some booze uh, oh that's the it's the Alan Partridge rule she's a drunk and a racist Lynn I'll tolerate one but not both <laughs> yep <Exactly. laughs> Okay, so there's that. Whereas Caden's character is, there's almost nothing to him in the first one. And absolutely. Number two, once again, it's, there's more nothing. But you can say the same with Ashley. She's barely in it, apart from that tiny bit of poetry that she does. Or if you're male shepherd and you decide to sleep with Ashley in, in it, then you get a bit of extra almost romance where she gives you a hug on um, Horizon when you get there. But in terms of Mass Effect 3, the character development of Caden, especially if you're playing as male Shepard, the reason his character develops so much more, because as male Shepard, you discover, essentially, that he is, in fact, a closet homosexual throughout 1 and 2, which explains his lack of character as such, because he's he hasn't come out. He's not been being himself. So, it, it, there, it's... Despite not being an actual story at all, it actually has an over overall outcome that kind of makes sense, that is essentially by complete accident in terms of his character in 1 to how it finishes in 3 because they decide to add gay people. I know that, 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 that I've just gone from being really profound to being a complete twat in well, space of a sentence. That's not unusual. I was introduced to Caden by playing 2, 3 and then 1. In two, he's this guy who seems to know me, and who the fuck are you, on Horizon. And then in three, I've got two stubbly dudes on my team, James, who we'll come back to. And Caden's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care about you guys. And then I, I met him in one with that, not indifference, but antipathy. Uh, shut up. <laughs> but if you ever get around to playing it again, then I thoroughly recommend playing as Male Shepherd and completely foregoing the whole romance side of it, and then discovering the... or at least watching the videos of, in Mass Effect 3, of Male Shepard and Caden, well, romancing. It definitely it makes more sense about how bitchy it gets in number two. Yeah. <laughs> because it does kind of fall into the whole... Caden is just thinking that the reason things never really happened between you is because you just seemed so busy. The whole stopping the Reapers and Saren and... The collectors, there's that he just couldn't be himself because he was you were busy all the time, and it makes it more sweet. It, well, it makes it a sweet romance overall. So yeah, you the the you, you kind of missed out on that one, I guess. Oh well, I had it on one playthrough. <laughs> I I I quite like that you can make choices that will deny you an important part of story because you do get the oh what if yeah because life has got opportunity costs and what ifs, and I like that by making that choice. For someone, you will be denied other bits. Yeah, it's um like I, you cannot have everything in the game because people won't give you everything. 
wonder if anyone will ever release a game that gives you all of these sort of choices, but then stops you from being able to play it again. Is Undertale like that? I don't know. To be Undertale do a weird thing to try to replay? No idea. Uh, I th- yeah, I think... Yeah, if you try and reload a save, it doesn't let you, or something. I think you've got to actually, not just uninstall it, but take it out your registry on your computer. <laughs> but it, it it's designed for a thing. I know very little about it, but I know that. Neat. Did uh, any of you guys play the DLC for number one? Yes. No. I can't remember so, it. Well, that you know of, you didn't play the DLC, Brian, because I think Bring Down the Sky was just part of the PlayStation 3's version. What is Bring Down the Sky? Uh, oh, yeah, I do remember that. that asteroid uh, X57, you meet the Patarians, and you have to try and stop an asteroid from smashing into Terra Nova, I think the planet was. That was the oh, first yeah. time they introduced think... the Batarians as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, so there was there was all those codex entries of the Batarians and the history of humans versus Batarians, and you're just like, well, who the fuck are Batarians? I've not met them. And then just you open up a shed, essentially, and there you go. You're greeted with these guys with four eyes and Varen. But that's so strange because the DLC for two is also um, smash an asteroid into Batarian planet. No, it was blow up a uh, relay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, smash a, smash will, a relay to smithereens. Half a million Batarians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Batarians were trying so, to kill humans with the meteor, though, weren't they? Didn't they put Mass Effect yeah. fields on the back of a meteor and try to smash it into an Earth-based planet? Yes, it was the, they were trying to move the meteor into uh, an orbit of uh, Terra Nova, I think it was. I don't know why they wanted to move the meteor into into orbit to give them an extra satellite. I guess they were trying to create a moon effect, I guess, for the tide possibly, or something stupid. I didn't really pay attention to that part, but Batarian terrorists take over the mining drills or the rock- rockets onto the side of the asteroid to try and smash it into the most densely populated area of one of humanity's biggest colonies out in space. I like that one, because that was the one that in- introduced to the fact that Batarian, you can't lie to a Batarian, and that always tickled me. Because they've got four eyes. Also, after that, I started putting, instead of when we used to do smiley faces, I used to put two sets or two colons and then a smile. So it was a Batarian smiley face because I'm a huge knob <laughs> and a geek. Yep. Although I think my wife found but, it funny for a, the first time I did it. And that, and that was it. Pretty much the same as most of my jokes. If the funny once, then never do it yeah, again. Just... Have you noticed that since you married her that none of your jokes are funny? Um, yes. But then, yeah, you know, got a lot going on, I suppose, or something. <laughs> I don't know. Peace, mate. Maybe I was just never funny, and she was desperate for my seed. That's it. Now that you, now that you are a father uh, and you're married to her, she doesn't care yeah, about. I just you need anymore. to sit back and really take a look at, at my life history, don't I? Let's be honest. Yeah, it was worth it, mostly. So, but back to topic. Bring Down the Sky actually brings us uh, an impossible choice, which is having to save some scientists and let a terrorist escape. Or, in the middle of this conversation, if you choose to not save the scientists, he blows them up immediately. There's there's no two ways. You can't have your cake and eat it. It's not like a typical, if you're quick enough at defeating this enemy, you can get back and, and save some save the people. It's right in the conversation. You have, I'm not going to let you go. Boom. Dead scientists. Yep, that was tough. But kind of refreshing at the same time. Uh, uh, 
a, an actual interesting element to add to the game, especially later on Mass Effect Three, where if you choose to let that uh, Batarian live, makes a return in one of the many and varied side quests that doesn't show up if you don't do the bring down the if well if you don't touch bring down the sky in any way, or if you kill him, I guess can't really show up again if he's dead. You say that I had somebody come back from the dead in three. I I walked into a room in the Citadel and Zaid Masani got shot and died in front of me. I was like, no, Zaid, last time I saw you, you were on fire in the then refinery. Apparently, <laughs> it didn't take. Yeah. Was that the case of a one eye the DLC? I'm totally yes. Yeah, okay. He was fun. I liked I liked Zaid Masani. Um, and the second DLC, which Brian, you didn't get because it was never released on PlayStation, but it was Pinnacle Station, which was a load of arse. It was just deathmatch, wasn't it? And yeah, it, it was you and your mode. team in a in a horde mode of a load of absolute bollocks that just it just was unnecessary. But I'm angry on your behalf because when Bioshock Infinite announced DLC, there were three of them. One was that same idea. Clash in the clouds, and two are buried at sea, which can eat a dick. <laughs> I, um, we'll do that later. <laughs> the only good thing that came out of uh, Pinnacle Station was when you completed it and you got the the top rank at the end of it. You got the chance to go to an apartment on a random planet that looks onto a giant sun, and it looks really pretty. And out of that, you get two codex entries give you an achievement and uh, a load of minerals I think are minerals a thing in one or are they just ignored minerals in number one you get a load of something yeah I think a gun that's and uh, some armor a special and because it was really so far after the main game it was useless anyway yeah the, well, the armor uh, in one really annoyed me because for start you're on that treadmill of equipment Everything you find is better than something you've got to help with. keep upgrading. And then you find stuff and think, this is better, but I'm wearing leopard skin armor. <laughs> oh, God, I think I'll drop skin. down two levels and go back to wearing green because that's at least inoffensive. Yeah, I think Bring Down the Sky introduced a new armor type. I think it was the Colossus armor, or at least something similar, where it was black with red highlights in it. So yeah, the armor was black, but the the under armor was was red. And once you had that, that was it. That was the only armor you needed. Nothing else came close to that armor in any of those three sliders that gave you the details. It was like there was literally no point in having any of the others because even the ones that were because it was always a choice. You wear this armor and it had higher armor, but it had lower shields. And there was the third one. I don't even know what that was. I think it was like um uh dampening. So how effect how you were affected by biotics, I guess. Um, but the Colossus was the highest in all three of them. It wasn't like it was higher in one, and then there was another one that was better at another. It was literally that even the one that was the best at high armor was worse than the Colossus armor. So it was completely pointless to have anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, I don't remember much about the armor, and I remember the weapons vaguely. Uh, uh, the special spectacle the weapons. Yeah. It was all about eventually getting it so that you ended up having a gun you never needed to reload. Pretty much. 
Oh, and always having Garrus in your team with a sniper rifle that had the high explosive rounds. Yeah. Although because sniper rifles more... were good in the first game. They've not really been amazingly useful no. since the first game. Well, the sniper rifles in the first game were incredibly useful because if you had either Garrus or Ashley who could carry them and use them and actually be trained with them, I was the number of times I was just walking along in a group of enemies and all of a sudden there was one that was just standing near me and then just disappeared. <laughs> because they just they've just been hit with a sniper rifle with an extra five thousand percent force from the explosive rounds. And there's just they're not there anymore, they're gone. It's just there was the most the number of just the sheer entertainment value of walking along, there's an enemy, and then you just hear a thump and then they're gone. Yeah. It's, it's something to behold, especially after a while of playing it, and you, it just keeps happening. Especially when it's Geth. Just having a Geth just whine at you and then just disappear. Oh, God, I love Legion. Uh, other um, amusing parts of Mass Effect 1. Krogan's charging if you were a biotic and you could use Lift. So you'd have a Krogan Ooh. sprinting at you. <laughs> you just lift and they would just go. It's just, it was like they took, they um, did a pole vault. They just disappeared. <laughs> I'm not sure I did that, but it sounds funny. <laughs> I've got three uh, copies of the first game. I have to put it in again. Just, just to just to try out these funny things. Anyone who's listening to this. These are all things that you just need to see once, and just <laughs> just thinking about it. It also works with Geth. Um, destroyers. Was it Destroyers? No, not the, the big ones. It might be the Destroyers. The, the, the big red Prime. ones, the ones that occasionally run at you. Geth Prime, yeah. Geth Prime, because they also run at you occasionally. If you lift on those, they just, they just go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially if you're on the low gravity section of the Citadel when you're actually outside doing the last mission. <laughs> yeah. Are we done for one? I'd, I'd only say one more thing, which is someone told me that um, you have one for setting, two for characters, and three for action. And there's a. What's the level in one where you're at this research station slash hotel before you get to the Rachni? Uh, oh, Novaria planet. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a very cool and interesting setting. I one felt like it's an actual universe that's got stuff in it. The stuff's all identical, but it did feel like space is very big and empty. But sometimes things happen in it. Um, the the Mako missions were dull, but there was space is a big, empty, dull place. And you've got planets on the horizon, and it's beautiful and just pooping about. Is I wouldn't say fun, but there's atmosphere in it. There's lots of atmosphere in one, and, and the precious. story and the setting, it's done very well. Agreed. It's worth a play uh, if you've not played it. They sh- you really should yeah, play you, it. I mean, I think Andrew has even played Mass Effect One a full playthrough because I forced him, and like I said, he's got the trilogy. He's still not feeling but, it, though, is he? I, I, he still doesn't feel it. I, I, it feels I odd without him here as well. It's. I don't. I think the reason he doesn't like it is because he doesn't have that kind of time to uh, to sink into playing a game for the the near sixty hours that you need to to get the full, well, the full experience. You can't. It's not a game you can play once. I mean, I it, it once. Okay, you can play, I did it, play once. it once. <laughs> then I played it again. <laughs> But 
it's the, the the different amount of stuff that you can get for for playing it. Like uh, you mentioned, Navaria. I've only recently, and I mean in the most recent playthrough I've put onto it, discovered that you can go down and kill all the Rachni in the hot labs before going and meeting Liara's mum. Benazia. I didn't know that that was possible until my most recent playthrough. And if you do it that way, then it completely negates a large section of the uh, of the, the the research facility because all of those people in the research facility are dead. now hiding somewhere, I'm guessing, because you're now public enemy number one for all of the Novaria security. The ones that you just saved from that first wave of Rachni inside whatever that the commander's name is. Because he's actually on the Major Abgenezia's payroll this entire time. Which you wouldn't know if you hadn't gone to the hot labs first. So there is sections of the story that were that you're just completely missing if you don't play it more than once and you see different things. So there's that. Well, you know, it's nice to poke fun at Brooker that he doesn't like it though at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, maybe, so, you're not lonely without him here, are you? You know, I can say I, I, I can say the I'm word a golf a, a few times. Yeah. In a deeper voice, would that work? Yeah, that would work. That'd be nice. Goff. There we go. I'm happy now. Nice. So, 2010, we get Mass Effect 2. So, as Brian said, you play the first one for the setting, play two for the characters. Now, Mass Effect 2 had characters in abundance. There's the introduction of so many new NPCs and interesting people that it's... It's brilliant in its own right. So, the game starts with, spoiler, Commander Shepard dies. That's great it. opening, to be fair. It's, it's scenic it's as not well. It's one of the best it's, openings. I mean, yes, you lose a large portion of the crew in the first place, and you, you lose the other space racist that is uh, Presley right at the start. Plus, it also um, makes sense for the fact that it's probably the only game that makes sense in a sequel where you've actually lost all your abilities for a good reason, because you were dead. Yep. <laughs> yes. And not just, oh, well, you know, it's a sequel, you haven't got your abilities anymore, tough shit. But it also made it convenient because you could essentially change your class as well, because you were dead. So you come back, you die in the first, you, you go play the first one as a soldier or whatever because you think, or a biotic. And you go into the second one, oh, I want to be a Vanguard because they have charge. Or in fairness, in, Vanguards are the best. Or you play as the Infiltrator because invisibility. <laughs> or you play as the uh, Sentinel because you get the tech armor. And if you're playing on the harder difficulties, that tech armor saves your fucking life. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's something about the ability to, oh shit, uh, I've just lost all my shields. I know, I will press Y and my tech armor will explode in a big fireball, and I have full shields again. And all the enemies around me are dead. So there's I, that. On my second playthrough, I went for a soldier, and having a sniper rifle, and whatever it is that slows everything down, it's absolutely lethal. I, that's, uh, what, that's the one I used for my insanity playthrough. It was just is too it good. Is turbocharge in Andromeda? Is that... <clears throat> Uh, no, in turbocharge in Andromeda is different. It makes all of your guns faster, fire faster. Um, right. Adrenaline rush. Right. That makes everything slow down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was like the, the soldier's defining move, wasn't it? 
Yeah, that was the only good thing. Yeah. Uh, the sniper rifles, I believe, had a concentration mod in three, as uh, I believe that made the time slow down when you zoomed in on a sniper rifle scope, which is quite cool. Infuriating sometimes, but quite cool. But after Shepard dies and you get brought back to life by the lovely Miranda Lawson, <laughs> and that's where I'll keep that. So it doesn't really matter who I picked as my uh, love interest in Mass Effect 1. Miranda Lawson was always the one I picked in, in 2. I, I considered uh, it. As, as Fem Shep, I guess, on playthroughs, you can't really pick Miranda. So I... Who did I go for in the end on 2? It was definitely Jack. Garrus. I'm sure you went with Jack. As Fem Shep, you can't pick Jack. She's, uh, no, Fem Shep's always going to be limited. Yeah, that's right. He's Kelly, Garrus, Jacob, Thane. Femship really it. gets Liara. screwed over on the whole choices. Uh, only if you had um, Lair of the Shadow Broker, you got Liara. Uh, but Femship was really um, fucked over in terms of romantic choices, seeing as what happens in three, you <laughs> you don't get um, two uh, two thirds of your uh, options anymore. Huh. Yes. I I carried on with the female, the bold one, uh, carried the character through. And Larry the Shadow Broker weren't out, so initially I went with Thane. I think I'm my first one, who I found to be one of one of my favourite game characters of all time. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I read all the codexes about the drill and stuff like that. I found them really quite interesting, and the way that they introduced the race as well, I thought was, I think that's what made it more uh, a bit more interesting. I think rather than just dumping you in and being really surprised by it. So, yeah. Rather than opening up a shared door and seeing a load of Batarians, what you instead got was a Drell slide out of a vent and murder a bitch right up in your face. Pretty much, yeah, that'd be it. Uh, that was just like it. I was like, oh my god, this guy's so cool, and I'm going to do you, sort of thing. <laughs> I found thing. Well, I didn't have any empty uh, connection for him. It didn't help that his loyalty mission was just bullshit. Oh god, yeah, that was bad. So yeah. I ended up saying, look, I've played it three times, I'm just going to let his son kill someone, <laughs> and then he'll not be loyal, he won't speak to me, no big loss. He can sit in life support and salt for all I care. Is that, the one, you, that is the one where you had to follow through the, the yes. crap in the ceiling, yes. ain't it? Yeah, that was, that was fucking tedious, man. It's a completely non-combat... Uh, loyalty quest. Is it possible to not get Thane's loyalty? Uh, I didn't realise that was a if thing. You, if you let his son kill someone. Wow. If, if, if you lose the people, then his son goes to kill the politician and the quest fails. Okay. But the, the scenes, obviously, if you did save him and you were made good friends, the scenes in 3 were really good following on from mm-hmm. that. So, you know, potato, potato. So... Mass Effect 2. Now, that, as we said, that's the one that brought characters. Now, Mass Effect 1 had six companions total, although you lose one, possibly two. Uh, whereas Mass Effect 2, you have 12. Now, as someone who played Mass Effect 2 a lot, I can con- definitely confirm that I only really had eyes for carrying Garrus with me everywhere, and then the other one was just whoever that loyalty quest was for was the other person. Just 
there was a, there's a couple of times when having specific characters for certain loyalty quests gave you extra dialogue, like mm-hmm. uh, doing Miranda's loyalty quest. You take Jack with you, then you get um, the bit of unique dialogue of when uh, Miranda says that are we going to do this or are we going to fight, and then the mercenary replies with. Um, as soon as you put on your armor, or the Cerberus really let you slut around like that. And then Jack replies with, I like her. Are we done recruiting? Can we keep her? I, if I had the option, I'd have Jack and Miranda with me all the time. Not because it would do anything, but I thought, you two need to be friends. Why can't you just get along or come along to all the missions? Which is fine. So you go on a mission and go, ah, it's Geth. And I've got two biotics. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go home and I'll get someone else. But yeah, I I liked Miranda, I liked Jack. Jack's character becomes really interesting in 3. I think she more than anybody has some actual character growth. And I thought, why A, why can't they be friends? And B, how soon can I do Jack's loyalty mission so she can get a sweater? (laughs) First things first, did anybody anywhere (laughs) in the history of mankind and Mass Effect 2 playthroughs ever take Jacob Taylor with them anywhere? (laughs) I don't think... His character was so bad. It was completely unbelievable as a whole. I didn't feel him. I took him him on his loyalty mission, bless him. I I didn't take him anywhere else. I, I took him on the first mission because you have to have him because you don't have anyone else. That's true. But as soon as I got Zaid Masani on Omega from doing the first after doing the first mission, yeah. that was it. It was right from the start. It was Miranda and Zaid because Jacob can go fuck himself back in his goddamn armory, doing his goddamn sit-ups or whatever the fuck. And as soon as then you unlock Garrus, that was it. It was uh, Zaid was gone for Garrus to to be around with with Miranda. I and then really like the characters in 2 and I found, I found it quite tough to choose quite often so I generally just sort of depended on where we were going who I would take because although I did I was a firm fan of sticking Legion with their tally obviously for obvious reasons always good fun I would tend to go with a biotic and a tech so Tally and Jack or Tally and Miranda or Samara. Having three biotics who are actually fun, interesting characters, whereas Samara, Jack, and Miranda made choosing people difficult. I'd take Grunt, because Grunt is my precious baby. Oh, he's amazing. I've got a little model <laughs> somewhere. I think he's on my wall. He, oh, it's, it's good, because I'm Grunt's mum, and I'm fine with that. I'm so proud of him. And like His, his role in 3 and in Citadel is the best. Like, ah, Grunt's here! I like having Kasumi because she's got cool powers and her dialogue's quite fun. Yeah. I her loyalty quest is probably the most entertaining one. Yeah. Um, because uh, what's Donovan Hawk? The, yeah, that's a DLC, I, I, so it's a bigger one. Yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Kasumi's loyalty quest just because I like the guy who voices Donovan Hawk's voice. I don't actually know what his name is at all. I just am a big fan of that accent. Yeah, that's what Grunt... I think Grunt helps sell that to me because it's Steve Blum who is also Wolverine. So I was all, I was ultra sold on Grunt the minute I heard him. Um, did you did you listen to uh, to Athletico Mince? No. I do podcast? not. Oh, Bob Mortimer does a set, I did a set African accent. And now that's all I can think of when they are done with Hawk. Okay then. Brooker, <laughs> <laughs> that, that gets cut as well. Got it. <laughs> 
you know he's probably going to just not bother with mm-hmm. those. I think that's fine. And no, oh. no one could have heard the tumbleweed anyway, so you're all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he, he plays Ken Donnelly as well. Uh, yes, the I, uh, and, Ken Donnelly. And he plays Vitor. Oh, who is that um, quarian mercenary in Tally's mission? Riga. Uh, Carl, Carl Riga. Carl Riga. He was cool. Yeah, Carl Riga's pretty cool. Is, is he not voiced by someone important as well? Yes, he is voiced by someone famous. It I sounds think. like J.K. Simmons, but I don't think it is. They had some really good voice work in, in the, the original trilogy. Yeah, they had Martin Sheen as the elusive man. Excellent yes. choice. He was quality. He looked amazing too. I have separate um, reservations the elusive man that I'll save for later when we move on to the... Uh, Carl Riga was Adam Baldwin. Yep. Is he the guy from Firefly? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is he not a space racist? Uh, <laughs> what, who yeah, Adam Baldwin? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> He endorsed Ted Cruz. Um, oh, no, yeah, he's a Gamergator. That's where he comes from. Mm. Yep. Uh, so, the other thing, Mass Effect 2, is the fact that you can... Uh, you've got 12 characters, but you don't need all of them. If you... I haven't done this personally, but my next pla- playthrough after Andromeda of Mass Effect is that I'm going to do Minimalist, and I'm only going to take... I'm only going to pick up the mandatory characters. So, Mordin, Garrus, and um, I think you own, you need to do a couple of missions before you unlock getting the IFF code and Legion. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to get... And because I've done this before where I've recruited Tally post-game after, after having done the collector base, because you can continue... After doing the collector base, you can continue... If you take Legion with you to collect Tally, you get some pretty entertaining bits of script from the random quarians, yep. including Carl Riga, when you turn up and there's a Geth behind you, because his opening line is, look out behind you, there's a Geth there. And Shepard just turns around and was like, well, yeah, that's Legion, mate. It's fine. It did. I loved taking him onto the quarian homeships. That was that was too, wasn't it? Um, yep. Because I thought it'd be really it'd be chaotic, but because it's a game, it's always going to fall foul of the same problem. They've just not put enough effort into everyone going ape shit when they get. Bearing in mind they've been fighting them for a couple of centuries. <laughs> kind of similar to a lot of games, I guess. Because if you take uh, uh, Legion onto the coin ship and he just gets headshot when you come out the airlock. See, that's the sort of thing I was hoping for. But you kind of just walk around and no one, obviously because they're all NPCs, none of them even turn their heads. <laughs> it's just, you think, oh, he's just casually strolling through, it's all right, don't worry about it. It's uh, like you when, d- you, you... when you finally romance Morinth and <laughs> die. Yeah, it's just instant uh, critical game over. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know whether I actually did that or not in the end. I'm not, I probably I did. I couldn't unlock Morinth because my, even on my Renegade playthrough, because I was doing some bits that were Paragon quests. Like, if you complete this one, you get Paragon points. I couldn't ever actually get to unlocking Morinth. Um, Samara's loyalty quest, uh, again, non-combat, is probably the most difficult one to get the final Paragon Renegade choice. It's You actually need to get your Paragon or Renegade to full. 
in order to get that final choice. It's I, not. I thought you had to have seventy-five percent of all the options you've been given. You have to have picked one way or the other. But the first time I did it, I got the Paragon choice and went, I picked Samara. But when I tried to do it as Renegade, I couldn't. Uh, so you I... can pick to save Morinth or Samara, it's just that you need to be able to make that final choice yeah, that was, Paragon I, or Renegade to choose between them. Yeah, the first time I did it, when I was Paragon, I was given that choice. The other time it was just, nope, they're greyed out. Yeah, I think I've only ever managed to choose Morinth once, and since uh, Morinth uh, gives you... Dominate power yeah. if you from that loyalty quest. Um, so that's basically AI hack, but for um, organic life forms rather than machines. Obviously. Can you not get that from who's the Prothean guy? He went on to uh, three. Does he not have done it? Does no, he he's in Mass Effect Three. He yeah. has it is dominate uh, dark channel. Yeah, it's the same thing right. though, isn't it? But, right. No, Dark Channel was the one that was basically a viral infection, which slowly killed them. It was basically warp, but green. Poison, then. Yeah, <laughs> it was warp with poison. It's Final Fantasy VII poison. Yeah, but yeah, you had to you had to get Morinth to unlock Dominate and Mass Effect too. Um, Jack was, uh, I'm sure Jack was one that you had to get as well, wasn't she? On two, uh, that was before you got your first intel from the elusive man. Is there a way to do Jack's mission without getting the email from the murderer at the end? I don't know. Because you always get a thing in your inbox to say, Hi Shepard, thanks for letting me off wherever it is. The next hundred people I kill will be in your name. <laughs> uh, nice. Possibly, I think you just need to not talk to him. But talking about email, um, I got an email in two from Talia, who's the girl you see in the docks in Citadel, who's Going, she's in a standoff with CSEC and she's going to get CSEC to shoot her if she doesn't put the gun down. You have to go and talk and say, No, hold on, love, it'll, it'll be okay. And you take a little step towards her and she gets all stressed, so you calm her down, take a step towards her and disarm her, give her a big hug. And you get an email from him too to say, Thanks very much, Shepard. I'm glad you looked after me. My life is now doing this, this, and this. And it's like, That's why you do things like this. That, that's why you're a nice person. No, no but it, the game, it rewards you for doing anything, but you can see the effects that your actions have. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. I just really appreciated all the thank you letters I got, because Commander Shepard is a big deal. You are a hero to people. You get you get a, a please help me Shepard letter, email that is not a quest. Just someone rubbing something, saying, dear Shepard, my... Brother's been taken by collectors. Can you help? Yeah, I said, no, you can't. The game won't let you. Yeah. And that whole opening up a wider world of you becoming this myth, but also bringing in what actual people think. That was very cool. I Going back to it, I'm pretty... Yeah, getting Jack, I think, is mandatory because I think you need at least one full biotic. So either Jack or Samara for the final collector base. Thing. Or you'd end up losing a character, which was probably the best part about the very end. It was the only good thing of of the collector base was that you had to choose people, and your choices mattered. It wasn't just a you go into the area. Oh, uh, I need to take someone who can. You need to put a tech specialist into the first section. So you pick either Legion Tally or Kasumi if you had the first DLC. 
uh, stolen memory. But you pick one of those three. If you pick anyone else, they die. Or yeah, no, not tech, them. Didn't it? Yeah. Although, to you, be fair, if... I sent. I I remember the first time I played it. Uh, I sent uh, Legion down there because you know he was always on my team. He was pro character. I'd done all his and he died. I've gotten to this day. I still don't know how he died because I'd done all his missions. Uh, obviously, I uh, when reloaded you... the save and did it again, and he survived. So it beats me. God knows why. When you actually, that doesn't. I think it might just be a glitch, or did I have to open a door for him or something? I can't remember now. It, no, because it, it wasn't the tech specialist who died in doing that. It was the one of the I think it was either the person on your team or the one of the other people. Mm died because they couldn't get the doors open fast enough because you didn't have a very good you didn't have one of the three tech specialists yeah, that might have been it I can't remember it's been quite a while since that happened saved everyone on every other playthrough I think um, and then you go into the second section where now the first playthrough I did it was uh, you had, of the, the people you had to choose to join to be the second fire team leader you had to be A. Miranda B. Garrus or C. Jacob anyone else and they would die or if Gareth or Jacob didn't have loyalty, they would die. Miranda would survive if you picked her as the fighting leader, regardless if she was loyal or not. Which I thought was uh, an interesting thing to interesting part of the game. Now, first time I played through that section, I picked Zaid because I thought, oh, he was the leader of the Blue Suns. He's a natural-born leader. No, that that wasn't counted, and he fucking died. I was quite sad about that. One. I liked Zaid. Zaid probably my favourite of the characters. Zaid, I always made sure. Um... He died. Because we go on his mission. Well, when we go on his mission, and the mission is getting folk from a refinery, and he says, Oh, no, the mission is revenge, and he fucks up the yeah. refinery on fire. I played it doing it his way, and you can hear the screaming as you fight through the refinery. But my thing is yeah. always, Which one of us is Commander Shepard? That would be me. Who's in charge? That's also me. Fucking get in line, soldier. <laughs> You fucked up, so now you get to be crushed by falling scaffolding and die in flames. Sad times, deal with it. I, I'll be honest, I quite like the ending to Zaid if you'd made the renegade choice, obviously, in that one, which was to, to actually kill Vito Santiago, which was that he was set on fire by a thermal clip. Now... As far as video game deaths go, that is pretty fucking gruesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. That was cool. <laughs> that was like the old school sort of movie thing where they'd walk away from a petrol and then chuck a lot, you know, chuck a Zippo down on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Except it was, you know, futuristic and suave. If we're talking favorite things in two, I know you like this, John. Can you do Project Overlord? Yeah. Because it's. The, the setting is very creepy and unnerving. Um, this base has been taken over and you have a computer screaming at you. You don't know what it is, you don't know why. And it's got the, I thought it was by far the hardest choice in all the Mass Effect games when you get at the end. I've done it both yeah. ways and I'm not sure which one's right. Didn't Overlord tie in quite heavily with one of the books as well was it Ascension Second? Yeah, he, he, because it was it, about the experiments it, that they were doing on kids and stuff, weren't it? And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Overlord tied in heavily because it mentions um, I can't remember who it is, but they mention 
one of the guys who's heavily addicted to Red Sand uh, in Paul some Grayson. Way. Yeah, there's a lot of throwback to Grayson because it's a big Cerberus. Yeah, uh, he, he was he general. was one of uh, not protagonist or antagonist really in in the second and third book. He was a major character though. Yeah, but Overlord itself. I mean, now I. I've, clearly I've mentioned this many times before horror is not my genre Overlord is about as scary as I can go and to be honest Overlord is pretty fucking creepy and scary playing it for the first ever time I was I was shitting my pants practically playing it for the first time but not just that it's, I can play it now and generally I play with um, pretty decent noise cancelling headphones but Walking along, the volume turned up nicely. You know, sitting in front of a nice warm glow of your of your monitor, lights off, it's dark. You've got pretty decent headphones playing the noise to you. You're walking along, and then all of a sudden you have this computer screaming at you, "Please make it stop!" You, it, 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 it's, shit your fucking pants. And I, and as as a choice goes at the end, picking whether or not you send David to stay with his brother or to be sent to the alliance now i'm glad that it's something that's then brought out in mass effect 3 mm-hmm. the, the the follow-up to that you see both of them or you can see both of yeah them. yeah you, it, the choice is either you see both of them or you get uh an email i think or something there's a mention to it and the fact that um he uh david dies i think in the ne- next experiment, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it works against you in some way, and I can't remember what it is. But it, it not only does he die, but he also takes out a large uh, number of soldiers, and it, it does a big negative impact on your uh, crucible. overall crucible um, assets. But the does a, a, the the first time I, I did it, I thought his archer, or Gavin Archer says. If this work stops a million mothers from losing a million sons, I'm okay with it. Very good point. Yeah. However, it's a man who's clearly in pain and wants it to stop. And it's a man who can't do anything to protect himself. And surely your job is to protect people. So what do you do? I mean, the, his brother is a, a mathematical savant, as he described it. Also written as clearly splat, uh, suffering from either Asperger's or some form of autism. Yeah, I would put it on that scale. Well, portrayed on that scale, at least. But he's completely unable to protect himself from what's going on around him. But he doesn't understand that what he's the, the reasons why he's doing this. He's just having fun chatting to the funny robots, in his words. And then his world is completely destroyed by the only family he has. So it was a relatively easy choice in the end to tell um, Gavin to go fuck himself. Yeah, I the first time I did it, I left David with Gavin and felt so guilty. And that stuck with me. That still sticks with me. <laughs> uh, I think I'll go one better than that. I actually took great pleasure in making uh, Gavin sweat in Mass Effect 3 when you bump into the fucker. Oh, I, I did and, that the second time then. And uh, I, made him, I made him shoot himself. Didn't do that. Uh, it's actually a quite a good thing. If if we're talking, thought is like David is clearly on 
very one end of the autistic spectrum. Did I send you the link about uh, Shepherd? How you can read Shepherd as being autistic? <laughs> I, I don't think so, but right. I, I may want to see that later. If you uh, link the character unlock stuff, then we'll. Uh... Well, I can I can talk you through it now. Yeah, because that's one reason that made me think this is an interesting sort of game to play, because Shepherd's got social scripts that they, they stick with. Like it's always I should go at the end, and they're fine in certain situations because they know <laughs> what to do. And when you go off script with yeah. them, like dancing, then they go, this is confusing. Let's go back to things I know I can deal with. Um, the whole idea about sometimes have difficulty in relating to other people. Like, I've seen the Prothean VI. How can you not understand the Reapers are coming? I've seen the evidence. And this inability to see things from someone else's way, to get that other people don't know what you know, can be part of the empathy level of, of autism stuff. And that was one of the things, I, I read a blog post about it, that was one thing that made me think this could be a thing that would make a bit of sense. Hmm. Yeah. I I see where you're coming from, and uh, that actually makes a hell of a lot of sense. And it, it, the, the post I'm talking about says, basically, Shepard is Space James Bond and is also autistic, because autistic doesn't need to be like... Uh, David Archer with no ability to interact with the rest of the world. Shepard interacts particularly well in a particular way, but yeah. not in all the ways. And that's been a good way to look at the world. So, next uh, DLC, I mean, we've, we've mentioned Zaid, mm-hmm. The Price of Revenge, Kasumi's Stolen Memory, Overlord. We got Lair of the Shadow Broker. Now, the interesting part of Lair of the Shadow Broker is that the set time frame for this in the actual overall canon story is just around the exact time when uh, Hyperion goes off to Andromeda, mm-hmm. uh, as confirmed by the Bioware team. So, nice tie-in for Andromeda there. Yeah. Also, but it means that... the comic that led up to the Shadow Broker as well, the Redemption comic. Yep. But... With Lair of the Shadow Broker, that means that there's a lot of information out of there and includes the, the fact that there's at least one tie-in in Andromeda to the Shadow Broker himself and you actually know who the Shadow Broker is at the time of it, which is the Yarg. Two ultra-cool character and I'm gutted that we didn't get to see more of him other than that slight, slight cameo in 3 and a couple of uh, codex entries. I quite liked the cameo in three, especially if you took Liara with you. Yeah, uh, if you, when you go to Sakesh to get oh, yes. um, the female Krogan, if you take Liara with you, when you the the Yarg breaks out of containment, and Shepard will say, "There goes the next Shadow Broker," mm-hmm. and Liara replies with, "That's not funny." Yes, I remember that. <laughs> so there's Lair of the Shadow Broker, where you, as Commander Shepard once you've unlocked Ilium and you've done a couple of missions for Liara on Ilium, uh, you give her the information of the location of the Shadow Broker himself. And from that, you travel to Liara's apartment, discover she's no longer there because someone's took a shot at her. Uh, You meet a fellow Spectre, try and find Liara, and that's where you discover that that Spectre was in fact uh, working against you trying to kill Liara because she's in league with the Shadow Broker, which is technically 
against the Spectre Code. And after you kill Vasir uh, in the middle of a, a restaurant, well, after going through an erotic hotel, uh, what's the name of the hotel? Says your. Oh no, I like erotic hotel. I think you should just call it that. <laughs> but it goes through the hotel, the erotic hotel Azure, where you get another piece of in, in, amusing dialogue between um, Shepard and Liara, where he questions, uh, she says that it's named for a part of the Asari body, and in and she says in certain places, and no, in certain areas, it's known as a part of the Asari body. He replies with uh, which part, and she says mainly the lower reaches near the bottom. <laughs> Replied with, "Oh, I meant where on the body." So did I. That's the way you tell it. Cheeky, It is. It's, it's 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 exactly the way that I say it that makes it more funny. What that sort of just... that, that kind of monotone. Yep. I've never really spoken to a woman voice. It's it, it's why it makes sense for me to tell these things. Maybe and not you. I, I'm with you know. I'm, I'm with the uh, the nice conspiracy theory that. Shepherd's mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Shepherd being mentally ill certainly makes that exchange being a lot more entertaining. Uh, but then you move to um, Hagalas, a planet which is in perpetual day-night cycle of extreme heat and boiling water, and then the, the oceans freeze over at night time. So there's a permanent thunderstorm going around where the day-night uh, cycle is, which means that there's a perfect place for a ship to hide. And it's where you discover the the ship with incredible inertia dampeners, which make an appearance in Mass Effect 3, which led to a uh, amusing uh, indoctrination um, conspiracy theory from the fans, which uh, um, I might get into a bit later. Yeah, I like that theory. Um... So yeah, and then you from that you discover the Yarg Shadow Broker who has unique dialogue depending on who it is that you take with you. Liara uh, travels with interesting companions, and it's either it ranges from the Cerberus second in command or, reg, or of Miranda or just Cerberus operative Jacob to uh, an active Geth module. Um, finally, bringing Tali to him because he originally was making a deal with Tali about uh, Saren. Bring an assassin of Thane. Which is also uh, bring an archangel. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the Homeworlds comics. Uh, the one Tally. Nice. Before, uh, I'm, I'm almost positive that's the comic. I've definitely read that story yeah. somewhere, so it has to be a comic, to be honest. It's the Homeworlds uh, comic. I think there's brief mentioning to it in Mass Effect 3, where if you're talking to Tally enough on the Citadel, she talks about her. You know her build-up to joining uh, to the the stuff with uh, what's his name? Fade? No, not Fade. Fist. Yeah, Fist. Yeah, Fist, who actually makes an appearance in Mass Effect Two. If you don't take um, Rex with you to uh, to see Fist, because you you can choose to not kill him, and then you'll bump into the game in um, in Omega's bar afterlife, just sort of standing around trying to order drinks. And he gets very upset when you turn up. Uh, speaking of afterlife, uh, the bartender. Did you or did you not make him drink his own poison? Uh, I think I did both times. <laughs> I, as as when every on the grounds that when you go every time. I don't think there's actually an option to not make him drink it. I think if you choose the renegade option, you force him to drink. If you choose the paragon option, 
someone else forces them to drink it. I think it's the, the random Toria next to you starts going a bit ang- gets a bit aggro about it and basically forces them to drink it instead. I don't remember that. But was it on to where... Uh, uh, oh, we're doing spoilers anyway. Was it Liara's dad on two? Uh, Liara's dad's in three. No, I think she's in two as well, and you get drunk and she turns into a different person. Uh, oh, no, Liara's dad is in two, because she's the uh, Ilium bartender. Yeah, um, so uh, when you get drunk on Ilium then, and she starts off as the older matriarchal-looking Asari lady, octopus head, um, yep. you have a couple of drinks, and then you look at her again, and she, she looks like a fresh out of the bag <laughs> baby 20-year-old Asari smoking hot, which I thought was brilliant. Like beer goggles in a game, great stuff. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's quite I didn't amusing. Know that was a thing. Well, there you go. Beer, I know beer that. Goggles. I know that if you drink, if you drink too much on the Citadel, then Shepard collapses and he wakes up in the toilet with the Turian peeing next to him. <laughs> yep. And you're squad mates. You're right. Uh, it's not even that they're standing over you. It's that the, if you take Miranda, she's just sort of sitting on the floor of the men's room, just sort of waiting for you to stand up, just sort of content, just going. Is everything okay? Yeah, it's fine. But the important thing is, is that in that exact sequence, Shepard drinks Rincol, um, which wait, was that some uh, the Krogan describe as drinking broken glass. Yeah, gross. If we're talking Omega, can we talk about Arya? You can talk about anything. Arya's a very cool character. I was pleased to hang out with her again in 3, in the DLC. The Omega DLC yes, was great. It was. Because apart from anything else, you get Arya's flare ability, which is stupidly powerful. I stopped using shockwave, so I'll just use flare. Boom. I stopped using pull, or rather lift, in the first game from uh, playing that one because you unlocked uh, lash, which was basically pull, but on steroids. Yeah, Arya's very good. Her whole idea about, I run this place like a queen, and she's not intimidated by you. Other folk go for the whole mystique, she doesn't. Um... I just liked doing Aria missions. It's disappointing that she only has so much to say. Like, you go yeah. back and it's the same script of stuff. You can't prompt her. Like, she does more when you see her in Purgatory on the Citadel. Is that the bar? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So she can get, like, progress reports from her. And she's like, how are you getting on with this? But... Yeah, they clearly just couldn't afford Carrie Ann Moss for more than, like, 50 minutes of her time to record a couple of lines. <laughs> I didn't realise that was Carrie Ann Moss until very recently. The only person that... The fact that it looks almost like her. Yeah, but even Strakowski, or Yvonne Strakowski's got the same face, but looks very different with brunette hair. I didn't notice her. I didn't I notice Nina Sirtis in one. I didn't notice Adam Baldwin in two. Um, the only person I clocked as soon as I heard them was Martin Sheen. Did that have anything to do with the fact that it actually looked like Martin Sheen as well? I didn't know that. A young version. <laughs> A young version of Martin Sheen looked like it too. <laughs> that, um, it was a mystery drink anyway, the one that you had to get pissed to see the different version of uh, Liara's mum. It was the mystery drink in Ilium. Ah, I just did a super okay. special search engine look up. So we've only got one more DLC to talk about for two. Uh, wait, which one was... I, I can't remember which one. Uh, oh, Arrival. Arrival. Which was bloody hard now, the first time I played it. Yeah, playing Arrival on the harder difficulty. Because I, I just... I think I played Arrival on Insanity because it... I don't even know why. Cause it wasn't necessary, I don't think. 
I don't think there was the the DLC actually had you had to play it on the harder difficulty. I think the only the only difficult achievement was getting through the all of the waves when you get to the Reaper fragment. I didn't manage that. I just got shot after four. Yeah, it's uh, I think it was five. You had to complete five waves of enemies. Uh, if you did, you got an achievement, which uh, at the time I needed because I wanted to complete Mass Effect 2's achievements because I needed to because I love Mass Effect 2. But every time since then, I've just died at the first enemy. I've just run up to him and waited for him to kill me because am I fucked doing all of those fucking waves? They were fucking tough. There's a a, a room. I don't remember what, there's a, you go along a corridor and there's a room that opens up and there's engineers and other folk and I died so many times doing it as a vanguard. Two minutes <laughs> as a soldier. You, you, yep. you put on adrenaline rush, you peek your head around the corner, snipe the pyro, snipe the engineer, do that three times, job done. Playing as a vanguard in any room where there are pyros is fucking impossible because you just launch yourself right into their... Or you, you shockwave someone, which you need to be a little bit closer than I was. It was very difficult. I've honestly never played as a vanguard. I'm almost positive, apart from in the multiplayer. Um, that makes sense. I mean, Mass Effect 2 didn't really put a lot of emphasis on biotic detonations. And there was no emphasis at all on tech explosions. Yeah. Like, at all. I just was, went with just... the magic thing, and I like the biotics because it reminded me of magic. So I've always just stuck with Adept, mostly, or Soldier, uh, for insanity oh. playthroughs. I did an Infiltrator a couple of times as well, but... Um, I can't remember which class... I don't know. Did the, Van- the Vanguard didn't allow it. It's only in Andromeda that you actually got access to all abilities. Yeah. Which is quite nice. Uh, but also but, a pain in the ass at the same time. Yeah, especially when you only really need three. Mm-hmm. You can only have but three. With I'm going to set up Profile. <laughs> all my points and stuff make it super powerful then I'll just solve any problem with charge the problem that I can charge it... head first into is not a problem I want to see <laughs> it's if you could combine pull on a put, pull on a vanguard so you pull and then charge while they're in mid air because then they'd go flying now that's you can do that, that kind of one. Uh, the vanguard doesn't have pull well, I don't squad think mates got, do. uh, oh on three sorry my bad oh we're still on two actually mm-hmm. Okay. Just. But we're doing we're talking arrival, which was probably the most difficult DLC on because it was just you. Was that, was that the one that set up for the third game, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that's literally you do this mission and then that's it. You just set yourself going for the Reapers' arrival. The the Reapers are coming, and you are there to stop them from turning up. Because they're coming in like half an hour. Yeah. Well, they're they're coming out of dark space to go to that relay, and that's the reason why you're blowing that relay up. Not what I originally thought, which was that they were arriving by that relay, because I just thought, well, hang on, the number of times when I've arrived in sectors and not had a relay there, I just, like, that you can arrive by faster than light travel, but you don't always point and land at a relay, essentially. There's a bit where the, the timer is, like, 25 minutes. If you don't do anything for 25 minutes, what happens? I've never done it because I want to play the game, but... I've, yeah, I don't think I've ever tried to wait for that countdown. Uh, let's... Is that... Well, I'm not doing anything tonight, so get it fired up. Let's, let's not wait 25 minutes. <laughs> no, I'm not. But it can be a PS in the next pod. Yeah, I, I will... I'm just going to have a quick search to see where... <laughs> There's a 
wait for countdown. There's a Mass Effect 2 arrival type W, letting the timer count down to zero. You get a special cutscene. You do get a special cutscene. Uh, the first response is a YouTube mm-hmm. thing for... Um, it's a 16 second one. Uh, actually, the question that I've come across first one is, uh, the Reapers be there in two days. What if you just let the stand in front of the clock for two days straight without doing anything? Someone immediately replied with, it goes to under 30 minutes at one point. Maybe you should wait until yes, then. That would be a much better <laughs> idea. Uh, uh, if you wait for the countdown clock to reach zero, the Reaper, the cutscene will show up. The Reapers arrive, uh, and that shows flashes of Reapers' destruction of the galaxy, followed by the critical mission failures. Neat. Neat. So you get that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, so you get no squad mates, potential for a random critical mission failure for no reason. Well, they make it there and everyone dies. Yep. Well, within a century and a half. Or something like that. It kind of led you well, on to believe that it was going to be some sort of instant thing. And then obviously when three turned around, it kind of made it out like it wasn't actually quite as quick as they were explaining in the first place. It's, it's actually a long war of slow death. So that was it is like that a too. long war of attrition of people trying to defend themselves and their borders. When in reality, they probably... It's a long cleanse trying to get rid of every single person or human or rather every single ascended species. Yeah, but you know, like up until the point where you found out about that, they kind of gave you the idea that these Reapers, they were on, you know, they were an ultra weapon super, and that you, they would literally just come in and, and just vaporize you, similar to, you know, Halo Ring style. Yeah, well, the way that they showed off Sovereign in the first one, in that he literally just goes to the Citadel, and the entire Citadel Defense Force just get obliterated in one of him just like just flying through them. Yeah, one uh, of his finger lasers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then he takes out half of the uh, Fifth Fleet. Or no, what was it? Was it the Fifth Fleet? No, it was the entire Arcturus fleet, wasn't it? So that's like all six fleets just sort of turn up. And even then, they barely make a dent on this giant Reaper that turns out to not even be one of the big ones. It's just it's one of the regular-sized ones. Yep. So, ready to talk through. Mass Effect 3, 2012. And we released a game that was almost entirely panned by all critics and regular players and people who claim to love the franchise have all said the ending is shit and because of that they want their money back fuck those people right if you love a game that much you take its faults and you go you know what there isn't really anything else they could have done for this game for an ending it, it really was building up to a big well this is the end what what else were they going to do i the first time i played i thought this ending is fucking bullshit because I, I spent time building a galactic community behind me, and then we lose the mass relays to service that galactic community. But it doesn't need to be a happy ending. The point of this is things come at a cost, and Mass Effect 3 is huge on loss, and the, the thing people give up so that other people can do something. And the fact that I didn't get the ending I wanted... My shepherd died when she destroyed the Reapers. That's fine. The fact I didn't get a nice ending 
fits in with the story. It would be wrong to have sunshine and rainbows and everyone happy, smiley together. It'd be wrong to have everything working out perfectly. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and uh, interestingly, with the introduction of Extended Cut, it's possible for Shepard to survive the explosion mm-hmm. of destroying the Reapers. Yep. If you've got enough so, galactic readiness. Yeah. If your galactic readiness is high enough, uh, uh doesn't require you to play the multiplayer at all. I think you it's easily achievable with the fifty percent readiness. Especially with the DLC later on, but that's that's more later. Is that just where they show his chest breathing at the end? Yes. Uh yes, but with the extended cut, um if you've romanced Liara Stroke, Ashley or Caden, they are the one putting the names on the wall. They openly refuse to put your name up on the uh, uh, hero wall on the Normandy when they repair it and set it off to spaceflight again. Which again is something that wasn't shown pre-extended cut. They don't show off the the Normandy from flying away from that planet, random planet they've landed on. So there's something else that was added to the extended cut that I distinctly remember. Mm. So there's that. Endings in Um, all games are tough for me. Um, it's the last it's the last point that I would be playing that game it's the last thing I'm going to strongly remember and it's quite often burdened with sequel setups lately but Mass yeah. Effect 3 was a real kick in the nuts for me you know we played 150 plus hours for one playthrough and everything about Mass Effect 3 was great if I could just cut that last half an hour yeah, you know, I didn't want an ending where everyone was super happy. I didn't want an ending where you know we won with that without consequence. I just wanted, I kind of just wanted the decisions that we'd spent all that time make to make a difference and, and to actually be the end. See? And the end itself, you kind of look at it with that whole every game sets up a sequel now. And thinking, how the hell can they go on a sequel on this? <laughs> it's just so yeah. While I didn't absolutely love it, I didn't absolutely hate it either. It just sat somewhere in nowhere land. I get annoyed with the idea that your decisions didn't have consequences or they didn't matter in the end because they mattered to me when I played it through. I said I felt guilty about not looking after David Archer, but knowing that I made the right the right, I'm being finger quotes, the right decisions about the genophage and the right decisions about who to help and support and how to treat people. That mattered to me in my death. That mattered to me as the galaxy was saved or was destroyed because that's the world I want to create. So it might not have a cutscene at the end, but how I played the game and each part of it mattered to me, even if it wasn't reflected in what the developers produced to reward me at the end. I mean, some of your decisions that don't look like they matter do. I mean, you can... If you don't go to Griffin Academy to help Jack out, she gets captured by Cerberus and turned into a phantom who you then have to kill. If you picked Morinth in Mass Effect 2, you kill her as a banshee. Yeah, that's a big um, sort of... It's just on Earth, you just happen to find a banshee called Morinth. It's not It's not even something that you really care about at all. It just happens to be, instead of saying Banshee in the health mm-hmm. bar, it just says Morin. Right. That uh, happened to me, but it, I like that there's lots of very small bits of storytelling in Mass Effect. Um, it, it's bleak. My goodness, it's bleak. If you go to uh, Huerta Memorial Hospital, I, I would go several times 
just to listen to the Asari talking about her post-traumatic stress disorder, but hiding in a farmhouse with an earth girl who I think is Joker's sister, and trying to rescue her squad mates, but her squad mates have been indoctrinated so we fight her off and she's got to kill them. Then you get a spectre request where she wants to have a gun. And because I've listened to her, I know if you had the gun, you would kill yourself. So you don't do that. But you, you can say, yeah, she gets the gun. And then, yes, she kills herself. Huge surprise. There's a bit at the very end of it where you're in the, the Earth base, Earth base before the final mission. And you listen to someone doing, or being given instructions for doing CPR or stemming a wound, remind me. Uh, he's missing a leg, yeah. I think, and you're you're making a tourniquet. Yeah, so you're listening to someone who's panicking, doing up someone's leg, and then the person she's helping dies, and you listen to that, you listen to her fear, and then you listen to her saying, they're coming, I, I can't do this, and there's a gunshot, and then it all goes quiet. So having a happy ending in a game where people have suffered like that, you, you can't go back to the way it was. You have to have something different and having Mass Effect really be destroyed or something. I think that as much as we don't like it, it works as a way to finish off the story. Yeah. I mean, a Mass Effect 4 is possible because the overall canon story is Shepard is destroying the Reapers. You destroy the Reapers, Shepard survives. I mean, his quality of life is probably not very good. I mean, he's already on the autistic spectrum, apparently. That doesn't mean you've got poor quality of life. Well, okay, so I'm not saying that it does, but I mean that he is essentially uh, someone who is on the autistic spectrum who's just been exploded in some way. So all he now knows is pain and suffering. Uh, so his it's, it's going to be an interest. Uh, Mass Effect 4 is going to be interesting if if they can make one, because it's entirely possible. But even then, and it, as proved, it doesn't need to be... Like, Dragon Age has three separate characters for each of its three for, games. It's got the Warden, Hawk, and the Inquisitor. Yeah. And you get a much broader range of what you can do in creating these characters. Does the Warden show up in the se- in 2 and 3? He shows I know up the, in 3. Uh, Hawk, Hawk shows uh, up in 3. Someone shows up in 3. I, I, Hawk shows up in I, the Inquisition. I never played Origins. Somebody from 1 shows up in 3, depending on what you did. Uh, some Depending on what your... I didn't play Finnish Origins, but it, depending on which of the options that you pick in the, in the original... Uh, in the opening, it says, "Oh, this is what happened in one." Uh, depending on one of the characters from one, I think it's Alistair shows up as a drunk in the pub. Yeah. Because because he's not the king, essentially. Because you you chose the woman to be queen. But yeah, Mass Effect doesn't awesome. need Shepard for number four. It doesn't. No. Yeah. I don't think he needs to be in four either. But it's it's. <laughs> I miss the galaxy. I miss the Milky Way. Especially when there was a lot of stuff in the codex about new races that they found, and then obviously on Mass Effect Two, if I remember, you know, when you're on the dashboard, you used to get the little pop-ups on the on the screen telling you about some news. It was like live. I think they kept it live for about a year. It used to update every couple of days, and, yeah. and it used to pop up and tell you about new races on there. And there was a couple of new races. One of them, I can't remember the name of it. Basically, like bird people. Uh, you know, we never got to see all. There's so much possibility for the Milky Way that we missed out on now that it's it's going to be very difficult for them to find a way back there. Did you ever see Matt Lord's concept art for a release that didn't get in? Matt um, the yes, I think I've got all of the uh, special editions. There's there's a a race that are basically a bunch of worms in a sack 
but they have a, a human face that they staple on to the front of this sack. And the, the, his idea was that you can see behind the eye holes stuff moving, and it's it's grotesque. It looks like it looks like a rejected splicer, but Neat. less grotesque. So it's kind of like a really <laughs> crappy, weird version of uh, the Let Golo from Halo, or the Hunters, the big wormy people that wear armor. Yeah. You lost you lost me when you mentioned Halo. Yeah, it's my bad. Uh, uh, further to things, uh, interesting things that Mass Effect Three had, just because it was the third one, and they just made loads of connections back to the story in one and things that happened in two. Just like I mean, I'm talking like proper minor details, like in Mass Effect One on the Citadel when you go there the first time, and you go to the uh, the Krogan statue standing near there is a pregnant woman and her brother-in-law, the brother of the father of the child. And the father died of uh, a heart condition, I think, and he's trying to convince her to take uh, a test which has the potential of harming the baby mm-hmm. to see if he has this heart defect which can be cured before he's born. It's He has a a one in 100 chance of having this heart defect versus he could have a one in 10,000 chance of suffering from having this test being done. Which one do you pick? Mathematically speaking, you're going to pick the one of the one that's got the better odds. So you want to take the test because one in 10,000 chance of suffering in the future versus one in 100 chance of dying before he turns 20. Uh so it's it's a no-brainer, but you really need to think on the side that the fact is is that the mother that she's just lost the love of her life to this problem, and the guy that she's talking to is his brother, who has also just lost one the closest people to him to this problem. But they make a a reappearance again in Mass Effect Three. They're just sort of sitting on a bench next to um, General Araka, the the Turian who uh, you chat to about. Uh, Shaira the consort because he's uh, he's the asshole who sold the the Alcor uh, sex tape with the consort. So yeah, there's the, the that's just the minor details. What are they saying? Because um, they don't ring a bell. Um, they are talking about um trying to save the sun somewhere. I can't remember. I can't remember what they say exactly, but they're just they're just sort of talking about uh because he's they've lost contact with him. Because a school somewhere, and they're trying to. Uh, and Shepard essentially walks up to them and says that that they just they they don't need they need to relax and that it's going to be okay essentially. Yeah. But um, but yeah, if I recall correctly, it's the same people and everything is okay for them. I guess apart from the whole you know the Citadel gets invaded later on and they're not there afterwards, so <laughs> don't really know. My favourite follow-up story is Jonah, the Quarian. Ah, uh, that just... I didn't put two and two together until very recently when I um, played through in quick succession. I, I, I recognise the name, the fact that uh, when you do Tally's loyalty quest and it's Jonah's mum, oh. uh, you get that, that her, her, her death at the hands of the Geth, and then, then you go to Quarian homeworld and you find his dad talking about how he's finally made it onto the homeworld. I have taken a little side track, just talking about the sad missions and kids. On Andromeda, on EOS, there's a, 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 base, a simple fetch quest called What He Would Have Wanted. 
Yeah. You, you, you I, 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 that. I, I did. And oh, man, fucking hell. That was tough. Mm. Oh, I haven't done that one yet, then. Oh, it's... Was that, you... the, the first one seems... Oh, this is completely fine. And the second yeah. one, it's like... Oh, it's this not so weird. bad. The, the third one, it's like... Okay, yeah, I, I don't like where this is going. Four. Uh, yeah, um... Fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> and then the fifth one... The fifth and final one is the, the kind of... It's yeah. back to normal. It's... For everyone listening, if you've not got to, you you have to place a probe. Someone died placing a probe. You've got to put the five last. Oh, oh I've just done the second there. probe. Oh, and you get it's a little. Five. You get a little. Keep on doing it, Dad. You're doing great. Oh, motivation thing. And then the fourth one is, Hey, Dad. I'm so sick, but you're in the future, so it'll it be doesn't cool. matter. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I. I I made that noise when I played it, and my flatmate went, "What?" I had to explain. I'm sad because a fictional sick child has lost his fictional dad, and then the fictional dad Neat. died. I'm and looking what? forward it's, to doing that one. Then. Mass Effect is very good at getting very small bits of story that connect with you. They are for all this rabbit shooty, fucking people in space. There's a, a huge amount of heart in it, and some of it's manipulative and pulling heartstrings, but it gets me. Yeah, uh, I'm going to move on to what I mentioned earlier. Um, remember the Krogan on Ilium who's trying to yes. read poetry to the Blue Rose of Ilium? <laughs> Amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, if you convince her to um, to stay with him, you'd later meet them on Tachanka. She's chatting with him. and they, he's, he's really happy about all that. When you do the mission for Rex on to take out the Rachni and you meet Grunt. Mm-hmm. If you've convinced her and him to be together, one of the side holes in the wall behind some webbing is the corpse of a Krogan with an audio data pad, which is completely innocuous, you know, doesn't really mean anything to you. You head back to the Citadel and it just appears out of nowhere. It's not part of a quest or anything. You get nothing for this at all. You don't get reputation, no XP, nothing. You just get a prompt at one of the shops yes. in in the the main uh, main shopping area. You hand her this data pad, and the first thing you hear is "Oh, blue rose of Ilium," and that's when you realise that it's Char, the Krogan that you just got together with the love of his life. You've managed to convince her that he is the way forward for her. And he goes off and does a mission for the, the, the future of the Krogan and the galaxy. And he died, providing you with a flamethrower that's completely useless in that mission. I I think I did get that. Mass Effect is actually about war. Not, fuck yeah, war! But it's about civilian displacement. It's yeah. about losing your home. It's about nothing being the same again. It's about, what do we do now? The, the, the docks in the Citadel... They're a, a great addition to the story because yeah. I, I'm, I'm struggling to explain. There's this whole idea that here's what happens to people while heroes go off to be heroes. People are caught yeah. in the middle of it. And my whole thing for Shepard, they have to make sure that they don't trample on anybody. When you get to see Kelly, um, what's Kelly's last name? Kelly Chalmers. Yeah, Kelly Chalmers. You get to see Kelly from Mass Effect 2. And she's dedicating herself to helping people out and going, good, well done, I like this. 
and you it's part of you get a mission to go document life for refugees so you can take to the citadel to say you need to do more for these people and even if i take the the hard ending of we'll, we'll fight the reapers to the end without a citadel and everyone dies it's still important that you look after people as that happens yeah <clears throat> I uh, very recently, in my playthrough, made the mistake of accidentally not selecting to tell Kelly Chambers that she needs to mm. do more. And it's the first and only time I've ever made that mistake, because I just it just never occurred to me. And then as soon as I did it, and I was like, oh, fuck, I just thought I've accidentally killed Kelly Chambers off. <laughs> because if you don't tell her to change her name and change her hair to blonde, then she gets pulled out of a line. And it's just you walk into the area... And one of the, uh, the the random people, one of the NPCs, just says, "Did you hear about what happened to that uh, girl, Kelly?" No. Well, they lined us all up, and they said one of them pulled her aside and said, "Are you Kelly Chambers?" She said, "Yes," and they put a bullet in her skull. And it's just, wow, what the fuck? Just out of nowhere, it's just like one accidental choice of picking the top option instead of the bottom option on the on a on a conversation tree that you don't get a chance to go back on whatsoever. You can't repeat this conversation. You can do nothing. It's just, you've killed her, or you've saved her life. Yeah, she can... And it's just unbelievable, things like that. She can also, if you're a dick, you can say something that makes her kill herself. I didn't know I could do that, and now I'm... That, that's... What? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember how it goes, but I think it's something... Because I saw this on YouTube, not the thing that I did myself. Um... I think if you're really shitty to her the first time you see her, then she yeah. she feels abandoned and alone and she talks herself. Because someone in the, the hall says, what happened to that girl? Says, oh, didn't you hear? She got a bullet in her head. Okay. And wow. there was a bit after the monastery mission that made me play the rest of the game with my finger on the parallel interrupt. The bit where Samara puts a gun to her head for the first time. No! <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And then Tally does it. So, oh my goodness. You... It's about being there to support people. Not just with uh, an Avenger rifle, but with emotional support and helping people out. Going back to my first bit, it's all about promoting, taking care of the mental health of your crew. And the game makes it awful difficult in some places. Because you've got to do hard things. I accidentally, having romanced Liara um, in one, I accidentally went from playing chess fucking in the shower with trainer yep <laughs> it, it, you can walk into romance without too much difficulty if you're not paying attention Liara was pretty pissed she still yeah. shared that sorry mind melt thing with me but I knew that I'd let her down by fucking somebody else in the shower in my uniform uh, trying to think uh, there's only who is it Tali in Mass Effect 3 if you have slept with either Liara or you slept with Ashley, either or, and you take them with you when you go onto the Geth ship with Tali uh, to pick up Legion for in Mass Effect Three. Mm-hmm. In the opening section where you they Tali in you know chats with whoever it is, the there's a YouTube video of the the introduction. So this is quite there's, some of them are quite amusing including her meeting Edie in a body, and she gets a bit, you know, taken back by the fact there's an AI standing in front of her. It's where you get James, Vega, call her Sparks, which I thought, I like, I actually think that James is quite cute for a meathead. I think he's quite amusing. Just his little oh, nickname. God, I could fire him out of a cannon. 
For some he of his little worse. And it was forced by that pleb as well. I can't remember his Brady name. Brady Jr. Oh, God. He's only done one decent role, and that was the nanny in Friends. Everything else has been crap. Right. If we're doing this just now, he's on a list of people who can go fuck themselves. Oh, I'm going to play Lola. The fuck you will. Uh, you I'm, should play as Mel Shepard. He calls you Loco. He can fuck off that as well. I'm your commander. <laughs> this is a chain of command. It's why I whip you to show you I'm in command. And when you go to a, the bar on Omega and he says, ah, you fill out your uniform pretty well. Get the fuck. I would, <laughs> if there was an option for a renegade interrupt to just piss the whip in front of the, the dudes in the bar, I would do that. What I had to do instead <laughs> was go to medical bay Respect him, take his point down to zero, and say, You sit in that cargo bay, you ain't coming out on another mission with me. He's just such a dick. Oh, yeah. I, I, there's a bit in the bar as well, I'm sure. Does he force you to buy a round of drinks or something as well? Yeah. At that point, yeah. I just want to go, Fuck you. Yeah, it'd be really good to show the guys that can get to fuck. I'm giving my, the- my, my audacity the finger while I speak to you. But the funny thing is, is that it's the renegade option to buy them a round of drinks. Oh, is it? Oh, it's, it's pretty. It's oh, uh, he was an awful character. Because he throws you in the deep end with the whole um, introducing yourself to the to the crew and says, "Who's like us?" And then you do the whole salute and you know, full on marine. I'm a. I am a GI Joe, full on soldier man. And that you buy everyone around a drinks as the renegade option. The paragon option is to tell him to go fuck himself and buy his own drinks. See, I there's a, a Jeff Goldblum very short interview where the people will say to me Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, and I will say the same thing. How dare you speak to me? And that's how I feel with <laughs> Vega. Honestly, how dare you? Okay, so so you guys don't like Vega, but no, I find him quite amusing. But you've uh, fallen in love with him. Yeah, I love Freddy Prince Jr. His, reason, his, his voice on that muscle man, that meathead N7 oh, guy. Thank you very much, Vega, for crashing our shuttle on Mars. I think it's all just sit in the shuttle and keep it warm. Don't do that. Uh, you kind of did ask for him to crash, or rather to, to stop hmm. the robot from escaping, so that you didn't his, have a body. Uh, his Homeworld comic was crap as well. And I think that might have just tailed him with the fact that I just didn't like him as a character. So I hated it comic as well. The, the one thing I do like about Jay, and this is me being properly vindictive, the fact that his whole tragic backstory is that he sacrificed, or he got his whole platoon killed to get information that you needed for your mission in Mass Effect 2, except Shepard did the job anyway, so it's a pointless sacrifice. Yeah. Good. Oh yeah, he he sacrificed his entire crew to try uh, and and a load of colonists to stop the collectors. And Shepard was like, "Well, you know, I I did that. That was I it didn't even break a sweat. I, I there was just twelve of us. You're a whole platoon. None of us died. Yeah. You survived. That was fuck all. And I did the job. You fucked up. That's why I'm the commander, and you're just some random cunt. He's managed to get a bit part in the first section of everyone's third game and then never to be seen a lot of day again. Can I? Uh, Apart from John's. I like Jimmy Vega on the grounds that he had probably the most effective of the original game's uh, powers, which was Carnage. Carnage was uh, ridiculously overpowered. It was concussive shot on steroids. You uh, use Incinerate if you play as any kind of the engineering sides or and while they're burning, or if you even just have uh, Inferno ammo 
and they're just sort of like sparking away on fire and you hit them with carnage that explosion is a massive motherfucker oh my explosions did you did you use a scorpion pistol at all um when i unlocked it i used it the first time but didn't know what it was doing and then i worked out it is it's a sticky grenade you don't need to get your aim properly right just point next to someone like for um brutes they're great it's basically a, a small shotgun that has no weight. Yeah. And if folk are far away, you fire roughly behind them. Boom, 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 explode. Fire three of them and near someone, they die. Well, you want to talk about a small shotgun with roughly no weight. A Talon pistol. Use that on brutes and they die in three shots. I don't think I equipped that one. The, no, Talon, honestly, they don't. the Talon pistol was only uh, findable on Citadel, Priority Citadel Part 2. You had to go one of the rooms in the CSEC Academy. You had to go out of the room, press a, a door panel to unlock it, and then you had to head back into the room to then get into that section to un- to, to find the talon on the floor. It was the it was the way to get it, or you just buy it in the Spectre requisitions afterwards. Probably. But the talon was it was it was basically uh, a shotgun pistol, and it makes a reappearance in Andromeda if you find come across it, but it's not as good anymore. Yeah, it, I find a lot of weapons aren't good actually, anymore. Almost all of the guns that make a reappearance, like the the sniper rifle, uh, the Raptor in Andromeda is fully auto, whereas in Mass Effect Three, the Raptor is single shot. Most it's rapid fire, um, semi auto, and it's a beast to use in general because it's like using the Matic except more powerful mm. and less weight. Yeah. I've tried the Indra, I thought that was crap. Yeah, the the, the burst fire sniper rifle is completely pointless. But uh, I think it's collector's edition exclusive. It's the N7 Valiant, which was a full auto sniper rifle. I think. I think that was the one. Is that on three? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I like that one. There was a couple of weapons on three that I really liked. There was a couple that were no ammo weapons that I found to be quite handy as well. Yeah. As well. Uh, but. Uh, returning back to where I was, my original point was the, the meeting of Tali and the, the the interesting bit of conversation, depending on who it is that you take in there. But if you sleep with Tali in Mass Effect Two, cheating on uh, Liara or Ashley, then their their exper- their reaction to Tali inside the inside that uh, airlock chamber is quite amusing. And later on, when Edie's explaining how you and Tali got intimate. In, uh, on the route to the collectors is also quite amusing, regardless of which characters we do. So I think there's on YouTube, it's available if anyone gets interested in watching it. I think I'm going to try and find all of these things and post them up with the Character Unlock Twitter page, uh, Twitter account, uh, all of these, as many of these things as I can remember as this episode goes live on Friday. Dr. Brooker edits it tomorrow with a lot of the things cut out that really shouldn't be here because we've been recording for almost three hours now. Yep. Yeah. Can we go back to my list of people who can go fuck themselves? Yes, your list of go fuck yourselves. Uh, there's an engineer who says, Oh, did you see his new body? I love a new body. <laughs> That's a crewmate. Oh. You're on a charge. I don't know what charge, but you're definitely on one. The only Scottish guy in all of uh, the Milky Way. We have... Yeah, the Scottish people in Andromeda, though, don't forget. That's oh, why I said in the I, Milky Way. I cannot, I can't understand Suvi. I find her really difficult. It's not just Suvi, there was, uh, well, I, not personally, but my uh, the guy that I work with, he mentioned uh, one of the Jarl had got 
Oh, not y'all. The Angara had got a Scottish one, <laughs> which tickled me a bit. Yeah. The Angara have such a broad spectrum of accents. I've come across at least two South Africans and at least three Australians, and someone from at least uh, one of the other more Central African countries. Yeah, they're, they're strange. But I find Sudi very difficult, which I shouldn't do because I am Scottish. So it's not like it's a new accent. She's just tough. I might have to put subbies on. Um, yeah. So that engineer can go get a fuck. Joker uh, is... Kenneth, Kenneth Daniels? Yeah. Joker gets yeah. creepy towards Edie. And Edie goes, oh, Joker lost me. Like, yeah, yeah, he should back the fuck off. Joker loves me. Yeah, I don't think that's love, honey. <laughs> I think there's oh, something different. <laughs> I'll let him get it on. There's no harm done in having a sex bot. Yes, there is. She's part of the crew. Edie's actually it's... really fun. I, I like having Edie on missions. I think I said in the email, I, on the final mission, you're, you're run towards the citadel. What's it called? That spot uh, that takes you up. The Oh, uh, yeah. I know the one. Yeah. It when. In the the extended ending, your crewmates get flattened by a tank, and Ed comes up and she's just twitching and glitching, and he goes, "Shepherd, I can help," and then Tally or whoever has to take her back up, and she she's she's all glitchy, and it's very sweet. So you get you're broken, but you want to help. Everyone wants to do their bit, but some people can't. Yeah, in the extended cut, they it doesn't matter who because I discovered it, it doesn't matter who you take. There, someone of that team gets blown up in that tank, and they get taken away in the Normandy without the Reaper shooting at it mm-hmm. at all. That are right next to it yeah. for some strange reason. But that's neither here nor there. This is something that was added in afterwards when they, you know, people were angry at the that part. But I had I've had Jarvik say he wants to help, but you you put him onto the Normandy to you know bug the fuck out. But it's just weird that 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 new section just because people are unhappy that your squad mates disappeared. But if you don't have your effective military strength high enough, then that tank lands on those people and they die, and they don't get taken away in the the Normandy. Oh. Yeah. I lost uh, Steve. You know, b- before that cannibal rooftop, I had his. Uh, yeah. I had his shuttle crash, which I yeah. think is because I didn't speak to him at all. So I thought, if you, I don't know your story. You to... I played the game already, so my second playthrough, yeah. he died. Yeah, if you if you don't take him to the club in Purgatory, then he dies. Yeah, I didn't take him to the club. So it's like you you literally have to go all the way to through his romance thing and find out whether or not you want to be gay or not right at the end with him. If you're playing as male shepherd, if you're playing as female shepherd, you don't really have to worry about that. No, I just spoke to him for a bit. First time I spoke to him for a bit and he survived. Second time I thought, I know your story. I'll just cut to the chase. He died. It's like trying to romance trainer. Uh, it's hilarious because if you're playing as femme shepherd, she jumps in the shower. And then you join that her. I was very surprised. Yeah, just, just randomly. Just like out of nowhere. It's just a choice Jeff? of... Oh, you've got a shower. Come in. Sometimes that happens no, in real life. <laughs> yeah, it's just like straight up randomly it's like she's in the shower and you've got the choice of either a joining her and upsetting liara or b you don't join her and she's very upset at the fact that you haven't joined her in the shower but if you're playing as uh as a male shepherd then you just play chess there's no shower scene or anything and after her beating you at chess uh you say how about we get a little bit more comfortable and she replies with oh um uh, you know when I said that I, I liked Edie's voice? Well, uh, surprise, I'm a lesbian. 
Don't shepherd. You should be slagging your crew. It's unprofessional. <laughs> it's it's why I always chose Liara because she wasn't really part of the crew in the first one. That and Ashley was alcoholic space racist. Apparently, if you can romance Vega in the Citadel DLC, and by romance I mean you wake up with. No, I mean you you put loads of pressure on, and I said that was a bad idea. From folk complaints, yep. say that's pretty uncool, Shepard. Don't do that to your your lower your subordinates. Don't do that to them. Yeah. That's not cool. I'm trying to. Is Vega even romanceable in Mass Effect Three apart from in Citadel? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, he is. Oh, okay. I'm sure he is. Because well, I remember getting the options for it when I was trying to just get burden of conversation with it. I know that. Ashley and Caden are both romanceable in Mass Effect 3 for male Shepard, despite having no attempt at romance in them before. So if you sleep with Liara, and then you go after Miranda or Tally or Jack in 2, you can then sleep with Ashley in 3. Or Caden, obviously. Because you're, despite sleeping with Liara and with another woman, you're now a, a homosexual and willing to sleep with the random Canadian bloke. Mm, maybe not. Maybe, it, maybe it's not actually... It. Romanceable, apart from in the Citadel DLC. Yeah, because I think it's James and Jarvik. It's possible to wake up with either of them, depending on who you've spoken to the most at the party. Jarvik. Uh, speaking of the Citadel DLC, um, the data pad from Morden. Aww. Now, I'm going to go and I'm going to revert back to Mass Effect 1 and I'm going to change my statement from what I said earlier, and I have actually killed Rex on purpose before because I discovered that you can save Morden in 3. You just have to sacrifice Rex. Yeah, I knew there was a way to do it, but not a way that fitted in with my ideas. <laughs> so it's, it really, choosing to kill Rex is essentially uh, you have to choose between Rex and Morden. And who do you prefer? Now, I've only done this once, and I killed off Rex so that I could have Reeve and then I later discovered you have to side with the Solarians and therefore not cure the Genophage, and then Morden lives. Uh, the, uh, any other option of, of that is Morden dies. So the amount of effort it takes to keep Morden alive is unbelievable. Um, because keeping Rex alive means that Morden refuses to go along with your plan of and the Dalatras, and you either, you either kill him going up there, and he can't then you know, perform his duty to cure the genophage. Or he goes up there, cures the genophage, and dies anyway up there, obviously, because he always dies up there. And either way, if Rex is alive, Rex comes to the Citadel and tries to kill you, and you kill Rex anyway. Which is only hard work to do if that's not your idea. I mean, some folks say, yeah, Rex, stand up to me, boost, kill him for a mile. And some folks say, yeah. genophage, nah, Krogan's a master. So some options don't appear... To it because we would never think to do them, and some yeah. options like I would never have Jack as a, a phantom because Jack's there. I was going to Jack first off. I'll drop everything yeah. else. I'll go see her. She's now well, a haircut and a, a jacket. <laughs> yeah, she's she's wearing respectable clothing and she's got a swear jar now. And she could, if they emptied it, they could buy a cruiser. It's not about respectable. It's that she's not chilly anymore. <laughs> yeah, That's she's, why she's, she's down by the engine room because it's toasty. It's yeah, it's warm. Um, oh god, I just remembered um, Donnelly, or Daniels, no, yeah, it is Donnelly, when he, when, when uh, Gabby mentions that, uh, she says there's, uh, 
there's a woman down in the uh, in the lower deck, and he says, "I'm going to go have a word with her." And she says, "The only thing she wears from the waist up is tattoos." And then he gets really aroused, and he's a complete and utter ass. He's a fucking and I fucking hate. <laughs> so it, basically, most men then. Yeah, but he's so open about it that it's like any mentioning of any female character, like and he's talking about uh, when Gabby's talking about the Normandy, and uh, he then converts it into talking about Miranda's uh, ample bosoms. <laughs> Fun. It's there's yeah he he wouldn't poor Gabby next to him for the entire time. The thing I, is, I, is that she, I, she's I would, in love with him. I would put her on a different shift with them and sit her down and say, you know what, you can do better. This is it's, Flight Commander What's-His-Face. He's not a dick. It's nice that they squeezed a little bit of reality in there too, though, because not every man would be. It's nice that they've got sort of personalities, even so far as being crude, crass, sexist men. And the reality that sometimes you work with utter cunts and you have to deal with it. Yeah, oh God, everybody works with at least one. Sorry, Brooker, that'll get edited, I hope. Person that you would hand nope, that cup to that says twat on the bottom when they have a sip. Yes. Um, trying to think. The only respectable thing I've ever gotten out of, uh, out of that engineer bloke is when talking about the elusive man and he says, I knew there was something wrong with him. He drinks bourbon. And... At which point, Gabby replies with, you drink whiskey all the time. And he repl- he then says, that no, I drink scotch. It's a different thing. That's the only time I've actually looked at it, thought about him and gone, you know what? He's right about something. But he's also being a complete twat. Yeah. <laughs> so, says the man who's made a list of people who can go fuck themselves. <laughs> he's an Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Although, the, uh, the only person in Normandy who I actually properly like that isn't part of the crew is Dr. Jacklis. You can make a uh, meeting to go get drunk. And you do have the option where she says, I saved this. You buy a brandy in two and you get to drink it in three. Yeah, yeah and then you get a wank in there. And she's going to save it for a special occasion. Say, so, Helen, we're about to die, almost certainly. And we don't need to have special occasions. We just do fun things in life. Another life lesson from Commander Shepard. I need yep. to teach that one to my wife on the four <laughs> bottles of champagne that we've got in the cupboard, save for a special occasion. Yeah. That'll never come to pass. Go get a chippy tomorrow. Chippy and champagne. Yep. There we go. Mate, what? Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> um, uh, further to amusing stories, again, back with Tali, I just remembered that if you choose Dr. Michelle rather than Dr. Jaguar to join you on the cruise of the Normandy. Dr. Michelle? Yes, Dr. Chloe Michelle. The, uh, yeah, the French chick oh. from Mass Effect One. I didn't know she could the join. French, do- French doctor. She can. You can select her to join the crew, and if you do, when Garrus and Tally, which makes this even more humiliating for Tally, is if you don't romance her, mm-hmm. then Garrus yep. does. Uh, however, if Doctor Michelle is on the crew of the Normandy, she buys Garrus chocolates that are edible by Turians. And Garrus mentions like this completely <laughs> <laughs> because the 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 dextro amino mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah the he she buys uh, when Garrus mentions this to Tali, thinking it's completely innocent. Her response is, "She bought you Turian chocolate," as if to say, "Holy crap! I fall in love with the second most badass man in the world, and he doesn't even know I exist." You can hear her heart racing through the yeah. voice box. Yep. The uh, 
the induction port. Oh. <laughs> I, I like when you do the Citadel DLC and ED. No. See, it's ED and Trainer and Tally, and Tally together, uh, and it's, yeah. it's just pure cringe <laughs> for all of them. Yeah. Uh, ED completely obliviously going on with the of Trainer uh, robbing herself to listening to Edie's voice, and Tally sitting there going, uh, trying to change the subject desperately, and even eating something that wasn't that w- would have killed her almost, mm-hmm. just just to avoid the conversation. The the party at Citadel is quite good fun. I mean, you get to again. Vega says, "What's better, muscles or biotics? We're hanging over a balcony, mate." We're not even raising an eyebrow. Shut up. Yep. Um, Grunt gets to be a bouncer. Is it Grunt or Rex? One... Grunt gets to be yeah. a bouncer. No. That's brilliant. No, no, no. And then you go and ask you ask if you can help, and then he replies, that, sure, you just press this and say no. <laughs> My precious baby. <laughs> Have you said yes and let someone up? I, was that an option? It's an option. You can say yes, let someone up. Do you know what happens? No. They get, they come up, they go have a complete fangasm over the fact they're just meeting Clyde and the Shepherd, and Grunt throws them out. Yay! Does he put them out the window? <laughs> no, he just puts, throws them, just throws them out of the, out of the building. What happens if you find Grunt in the Citadel and he's fallen out a window in the hospital? Oh, that's um, after you have the party. Uh, so the worst part about Citadel, I actually think, is that in order to get the characters to go to the party, you have to complete their story arc. But Miranda's story arc is the second to last mm-hmm. uh, priority mission. So you complete that, and then then you do the, the the Citadel's party, so that you can then have Miranda at the party, and therefore sleep with her one more time at the party. It's that you don't get a lot of time between then and doing the final mission, unless you've got loads of side quests still to do, which, if you're playing properly, isn't actually going to happen. But it, so it definitely means that it's possible to lose out because Grunt's little extra side quest where you meet a random seasick officer outside of the noodle place. Oh that yeah, you have to bail him out. Fall out of. You have to bail him out, or rather, just convince the seasick guy that Grunt is um, doing Spectre business. He's with me. He's my he's my son. Can't you see? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's just brilliant. Those cuts is when Grunt's describing. It just describes what he did, and then you get the cutscene of him doing it. Yes. And it's nowhere near as majestic as the way he's describing it. It's fucking spectacular. It, it basically is Saints Row 3 in space. <laughs> I know that was it Saints, is. I know that was Saints Row 4, but <laughs> it's a, a massive cartoon. It's tons of fun. It's, it's brilliant. It's like, uh, my Krogan allies helped me break out of the hospital, and there's just grunt falling in front of next to a glass window. <laughs> And no one sees it and pays attention. Mm. It's fucking. I love it. I actually might pull out. There's definitely something else I'm going to YouTube up and and post all of these things. There's just so many different interesting things. The Citadel DLC was absolute, just complete and utter fan service, and that's. I think that's why it was perfect. But even then, the 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 bad shepherd. I think I said this at the start, but I could have spent more time with Bad Shepherd. She was. Yeah. So interesting to be your own worst enemy. Like, you are your own worst enemy. And the fact that yeah. you, you can't save her. At the end, when you're fighting the Normandy, which is a tough fight, and she yeah. is hanging at the cargo bay, you can either extend a hand to her, and I always do, or you can say, you, you deserve this and let her drop. But whatever she, you do, she lets go and gets splattered. Yeah. Um, 
What did I say? I've only played it once. I can oh. barely remember it. It oh. rings a bell. I really like. They did it. You you make you create this idea of what being Commander Shepard is, and some comes and says, "No, it's not that. It's not relying on your friend. It's not building relationships. It's doing one thing for yourself and forget everybody else." But you've learned the wrong lessons in life because you haven't yeah. been treated the way that I've been treated by my friend that opened myself up to. You haven't gone on this journey that I've gone on. That's why. That's what separates you and me. They're fighting that giant orb thing on that as well. Or am I imagining that? What? A big orange orb. Uh, that's, isn't that... Isn't that the, the suicide giant? mission in two? Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe. I don't, I, the Oculus. Know what. Uh, yeah, maybe. And you thought it actually in the Normandy. Yeah, that's the suicide yeah. mission in two. Oh, my bad. Because Gareth says, I need some bigger weapons. Like, no, I've got a shotgun and charge. I think I'll be fine. Yeah, my memory sucks. Uh, back to uh, some more stuff. Um, actually, going back to the ending of the final boss of uh, Maya Brooks, the lovely Maya Brooks, the uh, the random tech who turns out to be, I think she's mentioned in a couple of the comics and at least one of the books. Uh, Miranda. Uh, she's, uh, she's got foundation. Yeah, she's got different names going through it. Yeah, she's, she's a different person all the way through. It's Foundation's a maxi series of comics. Yeah. It's thirteen parts. Um, and Miranda mentions her if you question her about Maya Brooks in the after part uh, after the party when yeah. you do her little extra. She's come to visit you in the on the city on in your apartment before you sleep with her and talk to her about Maya. But amuse uh, the thing is is when you find out that Maya is uh, actually working with Bad Shepherd, or if you're playing as Renegade Shepherd, is it Bad Shepherd or is it Worse Shepherd? I Bad Shepherd. <laughs> negative <laughs> okay. negative Shepherd. Other Shepherd. Depending on how you reply to that double cross, if you get angry and you choose the the, the bad option, the I'm going to smash you into small pieces, then she dies. Uh, if you select the I'm I, I'm accepting of the fact that you're a double cross, that's fine, whatever, and she lives at the end. So it's it's that far between it happening and say and her living and dying at the very end, which is quite cool, I think. I think I ended up with a. You're going to go to prison, but you're going to go there because I let you. Yeah. And don't ever forget you owe me every single day of blessing from Commander Shepard. Yeah. And then she, then you see her cuffs going back on. And she goes, yeah, yeah let's, let's do that. Yeah. Um, because if you choose the, uh, if when she, when you discover she double crosses you, if you choose the bad option and you take it badly, then she breaks out of her cuffs, uh, after saying that, uh, I think she says something along the lines of, uh, ah, you'll miss me, breaks out of the cuff, runs off, and you shoot her in the back, and he says, from here, unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) Going back into, when you go into the place, into the Citadel archives, uh, and just before the, the, just after the bloke, the bolus turns up with the pizza, and um, they they say, who are you going to take? Well, I'm taking everyone. But who do you want to be on your main squad? And everyone just sort of goes, <clears throat> I thought that was quite uh, sad. Um, just like everyone wants to be your squad. I want everyone to be in my squad. I, I, Apart from it's just Vega. Vega, yeah. Uh, ha- at the end, when Joker comes to pick you up in the car, Go to the Normandy, and you pick your squad mates. 
and you get into the car and Shepard looks back at the rest of them and they just and he's just like what I made the mistake of not choosing Garrus and you get Garrus sort of sheepishly say oh I wanted to come did you let Garrus win in the sniping contest 100% every time no it's not even it's 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 not even a choice to whether or not he wins or not it's you always choose to miss because then you get the great scene of Garrus saying I'm Garrus Vakarian, and this is my favourite spot on the Citadel. No, I, I always get it. Yeah, never, never an seen ass- that scene. <laughs> You're an arsehole. You're both arseholes, and I hate you both. I'm not going to pander. He wouldn't like me to pander to him. I'm too competitive. It can never happen in the imaginary land or the real world either. Garrus is space bro for life. Sp- space bros. Yeah, and he knows we have got proper competition. So it actually means something when he beats me. What's he for? Yeah. Because I'm Commander Shepard. Oh, God. I just realised that me saying Space Bros for life just reminded me of if you go, if you're, uh, actually, it doesn't really matter which Shepard you are. If you're not romancing Jacob as female Shepard and you're male Shepard and you go far enough through his conversation tree and you pick enough of the good options for him rather than the ones that he doesn't like. Then when you speak to him, then he gives you a bro hug and starts rapping to you. Oh, you just want to smack him in his stupid face. Yeah, it's exactly that type thing. It's just infuriating. At least he's not a racist. That helps. Yeah, he's not a space racist. So does anyone want to talk about Andromeda at all? Or should we just like skip that completely? Not bother you? We, we've given an, a couple of mentions. We've mentioned a few things. Yeah, we we kind of brushed over it, didn't we? Right. I mean, we don't want to spoil anything for anyone because I've not really played much myself, to be honest. Uh, there's one thing I'd like to mention about Andromeda, so hopefully Andrew won't cut this out of it. In that, I mentioned earlier in that going back to play Mass Effect 1 after playing 2 and 3, it feels like going back in time and you're losing a lot of the things that make Mass Effect 2 and 3 better games, gameplay-wise. You know, the, the the cover mechanics are better. Overall, um, just like the, the shooting, better. Everything feels more refined. Movements more fun. There's less problems with the actual thing, the actual gameplay itself. Andromeda's introduction of the jump pack. Going back to playing Mass Effect One with no roll, no jump pack, and nothing like that. That's going to be tough. One of my friends said that after being the Pathfinder, Commanding Shepard feels like you're driving a truck. And I'm thinking yeah. even about um, being a Vanguard who's mobile. The the charge in Andromeda is quicker. The strafing makes everything quicker. Getting across the battlefield to shoot someone is so easy. Um, yeah. it, it's taken all the hassle out of widespread murder. <laughs> yeah. everything's a lot quicker combat wise I mean in a way it's kind of a double edged sword for me I really used to enjoy uh, you know pausing the fight mid fight setting up my teammates what they were going to do so that we could create combos with each other so on and so forth and that's kind of been stripped from this one and it's left you with three potential powers to choose from um, it just makes to be used yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a, it's not completely bad. It's just different, and and that's okay. I don't I don't mind that. Yeah, playing this game compared to the other ones, this game is certainly gonna be. I actually think that 
Brooker would probably enjoy this one. It's a, the combat itself is a lot more refined, but the ability to get around the various planets by jumping and then doing an air dash, or if you're playing as the Pathfinder profile, which I found to be the most entertaining one, which uh, gives you the ability to blink. Essentially. That's the bottom one, isn't it? I've not yeah. quite unlocked that one yet. I think I need to put some more into one of the other skills. I think if you put, I think it's twelve points. It's eight, in, it's eight in each. Eight in each combat, bang, um, combat adept, biotic, and uh, tech. You unlock the uh, explorer class profile, and you get blink options, which is uh, in layman's terms, the ability to teleport. I don't have anything in short distances. Yeah, uh, I do because I've unlocked one of the tech powers that you probably haven't got that far yet. No, I'm just... There's one... Yeah, there's a tech power that's uh, locked behind a mission, which you need to do, and once you unlock it, you don't want any other power from... that. That's pretty much... Uh, I will give you one recommendation for tech, though. Um, the tech armor, or defensive tech or something, one of the passive skills... Uh, it's vital to you if you're playing on one of the harder difficulties because despite having barrier to give you decent as a, a, a vanguard that you're playing as I'm assuming I've not, I've you, not put skills in barrier yet uh, to, that gives you bonus to shields but the, the defensive tech gives you um, more greater damage resistance so the combat you want for the ability to carry more weaponry Biotics to increase your shields and tech to increase damage reduction. You know what I'm chuffed with? I can carry two assault rifles. Yes, it's brilliant, and and they don't, and it's not detrimental to the uh, weapon capacity either. So I think I've got the cyclone, which if you put incendiary oh. on it, it's, it's, it's handheld murder. Um, and then I yeah. tried the N7 weapon, thought this is rubbish. I don't want that one burst. But there was a mission I did where just getting in, you just walk into killing them. So I'll stay out, I'll get a sniper rifle. The only sniper rifle I could equip or I could uh, build was one that shot in bursts. Oh, so the Indra. This is useless. Yeah, yeah it's like, garbage. I'm, I'm used to sniper rifles in Bioshock and in Mass Effect 2 and 3 being you look through someone far away and you press a button and their head bursts. Whereas, I can't even control this. Because when you get a burst, you have to start shooting below their groin to go right up their body and then they don't even fall over. Uh, I've got the ability to carry four weapons as long as they're relatively low weight. Uh, because I've got all of the... so far, uh, There's one in biotic and one in combat that I found so far. There might be one in tech as well in one of the passive trees. I don't know. I haven't really looked into it enough. The ability to increase your weight capacity. So I'm currently carrying... uh, Yes, but like I said, there's one under offensive biotics, I think. But I'm currently carrying the uh, Amatic 3 uh, that I've unlocked so far. A Cyclone 4 which is just murder, mm-hmm. uh, a phalanx pistol, because it's uh, a lot better than it was in Mass Effect 2, where it was slow firing with a laser sight. It's now a lot quicker firing. It's not as powerful as the Carnifex, but it fires a lot faster and has a bigger magazine. And I've also got a Raptor sniper rifle that I built but added an augmentation to it, and it now fires a laser beam. Neat. But it's... I, you know, it's pros and cons, 
Luckily, I picked the only sniper rifle with a greater than 10 capacity of rounds, 15, but the laser beam has a very limited range, which for a sniper rifle is not great. And two, because it's only got 15 rounds, it means it only lasts for about 4 seconds before you need to reload it. So I'm assuming that the laser beam is designed for assault rifles. Augmentation, yeah. beam of method, I think. Oh, I got that uh, sniper rifle in multiplayer, didn't I, from opening one of the yeah. packs on the test. The Raptor. It weren't a Raptor, it was another one. It was a foreign, oh. it was one of the new ones. And Oh, yeah, I know. The, the other the sniper rifle I had had 300 damage, and this one had 1,200. Yeah. You, you've <laughs> it's got, ridiculous. You use the Ishray, I think it is. Yeah, Ishray, that's the one, yeah, something Which like Which I think is um, the Angaran word for God. Yeah, it was just killing everything in one shot, which was great. But it's just so hard to use because none of the maps give you a decent distance. None of, none of the maps are big enough, and two, that thing has this ridiculous amount of weight, so you then can't use any of your powers. Yeah. Yep. I'll get back into the multiplayer once I've finished this single. I always found that it's full of spoilers, so I don't want to risk it. Yeah, the multiplayer for 3 was my biggest bugbear because I discovered Banshees in the multiplayer long before I'd done the mission in the monastery. Yeah. And that takes a lot of the the, the, the fear element out of the monastery. That, that the monastery. Was scary. The fact that the, a, a room that's just dark, Yeah. that was scary. A room that's just dark and you can then hear the later on the screaming and mm. if you... And that, that, that fucking mission right there terrifying. Play the multiplayer first, discover that Banshees exist because you've played against the uh, the Reaper forces in the multiplayer. The same as um, discovering the Rachni Ravagers. Completely ruins that mission. Mm. Just completely ruins the single player for Reaper forces. Just just by playing the multiplayer. Actually, that's the, the thing we haven't talked about. The utter body horror behind Indoctrination and Reaper forces. How the Scions in two? I think they're be- Scions have got a oh. human corpse of the gun. Yeah. And oh yeah, they 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 shoot the the stupid blue goo that just keeps hitting the floor, and if you're in cover, it knocks you out of cover. Yeah. And takes almost all of your health away. Yeah, but that gun is a corpse, and yeah. the Batarians. Yeah, Batarian and human mangled together gives you a cannibal. Oh, it's horrible. And the fact you can the, you get indoctrination, the whole idea about stopping being who you are, that, that's absolutely terrifying to me. Yeah, plus the whole Mass Effect 3 ending conspiracy theory around it. Twenty last 20 minutes conspiracy theory, which was yeah. interesting. Yeah, which is something I'll probably link again. Yeah, yeah if anyone's not heard that, which I'd be very surprised, and yeah, Google that. That's Although mentioning look. that, that all reminds me of the fact that I mentioned this earlier. So if, this is going to be one hell of an edit for, for Andrew sorting all of this out. Yeah. Uh, it's the elusive man. Mass Effect 2's elusive man is a pretty chill bloke who's clearly interested in, you know, you know the human life and setting that guy and then he turns into a complete and utter whiny bastard in 3 and he's just a completely wasted character uh, it's, the elusive man's almost infuriatingly rubbish in 3 they just like took all character development and just went 
Nah, screw it. Stick that in the bin. We're going to do this mindless fanatic for no reason. That's partly because yeah. he gets indoctrinated and partly because it needs to serve a story. Yeah, I suppose. It just seems like such a waste of decent talent. Yeah, a bit. So, I think we've probably bored everyone enough with our Mass Effect talk. So, yeah, we've we've really gone into this, and the best part is, is we didn't really have any sort of actual plan to follow as such, and uh, with that, it ended up being a, a really long conversation about talking about my favourite game franchise of all time. And here's where we hang up and go, oh, but we didn't mention. Yeah, yeah, I'll be doing that tonight while I'm dreaming of you both. Fantastic. So, recommendations. Does anyone have any? Any uh, free games or anything coming out? What was it? I played something for free on my phone, which is very, very quick. Slightly strange. Yep. Um, called Brave Knight. Knight with a K. It's free. It's five minutes. It's a nice little story. And it, it, cool. it stretches the definition of a game. It's an interactive story. Uh, sometimes that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Anything from you, Lee? Um, does it have to be free? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't have no. to be free. You can recommend Mass Effect Andromeda if you want. No, I'm I'm going to go with an indie game called Bastion, which has not long been out on the Xbox One. Um, as a re-release, recolored, a reskin game. It it looks. 10 times better than it looked on the previous ones and it's still the same amazing game that it was uh, all packaged in to the new Xbox One version so if you've not played that uh, pick that up I'm sure it's on PS4 too and my recommendation isn't a game it's that on Little Big Planet 3 you can now get the Mass Effect Andromeda characters or skins quality because I'm currently playing with Bioshock Elizabeth but with the David Bowie uh, zigzag face. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that, uh, Brian. So that's uh, that's my recommendation right there. Mass Effect Andromeda characters in Little Big Planet Three. Just seeing Cora. That I really like Cora's haircut. I think she looks really cute. It's really annoying that she's got such an annoying voice. I like how the first time you see Cora is when she comes into the the Hyperion. In zero gravity, and her fringe is straight down because her hair does not yep. correspond to zero gravity. <laughs> it's oh. all of the hair product. We didn't even mention squad mates like Old Man Krogan. Yes, Drac, brilliant. Love him. I found him to be quite boring. I no, the thing I like the most about Drac is that uh, Lexi is clearly in love with him. Oh, I've, not, I've not. I've not really had it. it. I've not had too much interaction with him. But then I've got a mallet as well, so. <laughs> Wait. Okay. I'm look- can you get Cora in Little Big Planet 3? Because the only one I can see has got um, Drac and a Pathfinder and a Cat and a Remnant. Uh, that might just that might be all there is. I just I it, I was wishful thinking about Cora because I like Cora. Although I don't take her anywhere with me, I usually tend to center to have Jarl and Drac with me when I go anywhere. I don't tend to... Liam is the new Jacob who just sits on the ship and doesn't do anything. 
he's got that jumpy thing, that's alright. Um, no, I'm usually Vetra, either Vetra and Cora or Black and Cora. Occasionally I'll take PB, but only because she's got a mission that's useful. I'm starting to take people based on, I want to hear what they say in this situation. Like doing all the Angara missions that I've got to take Jar with me. I don't really like yeah. him. Uh, no, wait, that's a lie. Uh, I have taken Liam with me because I discovered that if you have Liam and Drac together, it's fucking brilliant because Liam really wants to be Drac's friend and Drac just doesn't like him at all. I don't like him either. His so, voice drive, annoys me. Driving around in the Nomad, have Drac and Liam, and just the number of times Liam tries to extend the oil branch trying to be his friend, and Drac's like, no, fuck off. What are you, like two years old? I love that. Uh, I saw there's an old internet post saying, you know, I said, please play for my grandpa. Please stop. Grandpa's too strong. He broke out of hospital. And nobody can stop him now. That's a picture of Drac. <laughs> Grandpa's too strong. Yeah. So, as we're all done, and we've done our recommendations, does anyone want to plug themselves in any way on social media? Are you useful in that way, or can we just, or... Yeah. Nothing that I do on social media is of interest to anybody on here. Got it. Um, I got a mention on the the national body of my sports page, but we're not a sporty podcast, we're sitting on the couch podcast. That's true. I like sports. Sports, sports. Uh, oh, okay. Lee, yourself? Uh, I am Pyro Loveridge on most consoles and Loveridge01 on Twitter. So, uh, you can find me on Xbox Live as LongDongSilver on Twitter as at the John underscore CU. Uh, I also had our Instagram post for Character Unlock of at Character Unlock. Character Unlock has a Twitter account, again, at Character Unlock. And on Facebook, you can find us with under um, Character Unlock. So, pretty much most social media, so you just type Character Unlock and you'll find us. Uh, Brooker, who isn't with us, is um, Troublemaker411 on Xbox Live, and uh, Brooker411, I believe, on Twitter. So, uh, that just leaves us with uh, signing off, so good night, gents. Good night. I should go. Yeah. Night, everyone. Bye. Character Unlock was presented by Andrew Brooker and John Miller, with music provided with permission from Miracle of Sound from the track A Dog's Life. Character Unlock is recorded for failed critics and is a part of the failed media network of podcasts, along with Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights and the Failed Critics Film Podcast. And you can check us out at failedcritics.com or find us on Twitter at Character Unlock. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.